Good morning. Welcome on in. DJ and PK on this Wednesday. What a night. What a night of basketball in our community. Utah State in overtime. The Jazz going down. And you've got BYU with a huge, huge win in Kansas. There you go. Hey, but first we want to talk a little college football playoff. A lot's been going on. It's been in the news. You know, they're going to go to three. Or excuse me. They're going to go to three. I don't know where I got three. They're going to go to 12 for two years. And then they're already talking about 14 after that. All sorts of expansion. DJ and I are going to talk about it right now. PK, let us take a moment to talk a little college football. The playoff format has been set. It seems inevitable. You like to d- discuss and debate stuff on the surface. Hmm, five, five plus seven. Five automatic bids, seven at large. That kind of seemed inevitable once we knew the Pac-12 was shattering into, I guess, four, three or four different, four different pieces. Got your Big Ten teams, got your Big 12 teams, got your ACC teams, got a couple teams staying put. You don't have to say the Pac-12 shattered. You could just say my heart. (laughs) Your soul. Ridiculous. 40 years of sports fandom. Ridiculous. All fanning out so they can be in the same league. Number one form of sports fandom, too. Rutgers, Central Florida, and uh, Boston College. It's a perfect fit. I guess I'm just going to have to go back to my roots now and become a Rutgers fan. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Into the Big Ten you go. I did have extended family, one who played football there for the Scarlet Knights. Not a kid. Not a kid. Long time ago. But five plus seven. You weren't surprised. I wasn't surprised. I don't think anybody listening to this was surprised. They weren't going to give an automatic bid to the Pac-12. There's two teams there, and they don't know what the league's going to look like, and it's probably going to have Mountain West teams in it. So yeah. they're not giving them anything. I don't like it. No automatic bids. That way we can have six teams from the SEC, six teams from the Big tw- from the. If they Big deserve 10. it, why not? Well, if they deserve it. I think they'd Hence get if it. if they deserve it. I think they'd get it without deserving it. I don't know that. If they deserve to be in, yeah, I think it should be in. Because there's a wide variance. And now we'll have teams that could be undeserving be in there. Do I want a four-loss team in there who wins a conference title game? If they did away with conference title games, I would be more inclined to To go with it. But they won't do away. And I'm glad they don't do it because it gives me something else to watch. I think they are doing away with the division. So I think that gets away from these three and four loss teams. You know, you lose three games in conference play and you're able to backdoor your way to a conference title game. Just like the Utes did. But they didn't have divisions then. And nobody. Yeah, they did. Well, they didn't. They did when they had it six and three. Two years ago? No. Oh, I was thinking five years ago. So they did it twice. Yeah. The most... Not the most recent, but the second the most recent. No, there's, yeah, there's a big tie and they won the tie and. No, uh, that was seven and two. They had a non-league loss. Okay. They had a tie at seven okay. and two. Okay. I think so the what? two. Yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> but I think that the, the teams that in these big leagues, like under this new format, LSU and Penn State are getting in. Sitting on, LSU was sitting on three. They were nine and three, weren't they? I believe so. I think it and one of them teams, was uh, Florida at, State early over Memorial or Labor Day, which was a great game. At twelve teams, there's going to be three lost teams in. 
Yeah, but I want the best teams in. I don't want some guarantee. No. Supposedly, that's that's why Florida State didn't get in. Should they be guaranteed to get in? They're playing a third-string quarterback. Yep, they'd be in. And if you're going to get in and you're not going to be at your best, do we have kids opt out? Because then it becomes a real joke. Man, if kids opt out of the playoff. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> I can't wait for that. You know what's going to happen. I've done my 12. Yeah, well, they end up with injuries. Like Florida State had a bunch of kids opt out, right? And with Georgia the kicked the crap at them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's that situation. They knew they had no chance. Why bother? We're with a third-team quarterback, and we're going to get slaughtered. What's the difference? What would be the difference between just because somebody anointed it a playoff game? That means it's so much better. We've got no chance. I don't see how that's any different between a playoff game yeah, if, and if a bowl 12, game. If 12 thinks five is going to slaughter them. And five can be pretty good under this scenario. I mean, Notre Dame could be undefeated, and they're not going higher than number five. So the 5-12 game could be ugly. The other three might be good. But we'll have to see when we get there. I'm sure some years they will, some years they won't. Yeah. But you're asking a kid to risk it with all these people telling them, "Don't risk it, don't risk it, don't." <laughs> what do they? You get hurt. What are they going to do for you? They'll, they'll nothing. nothing. Yeah, nothing. So nobody's going to write you the million dollar check. Yeah. So I would rather have it be, and then it adds to controversy too. Have it voted in, and then well, we I, go. See, I think this five seven format is really going to turn into three nine. The Big 12 champ will get in, the ACC champ will get in, the group of five champ will get in, but the large bids, they're not going to the Big 12 and the ACC. They're certainly not going to the group of five, and I don't think they're going to the Big 12 and the ACC. And do we? does a group of five team automatically deserve it? I don't know. Maybe not. Does why, the, why should does, you get something that you didn't earn? Does the fifth place team in the SEC or the Big 10 deserve it? Very well could, especially now with these expanded conferences, yes. And very well could not, but you know they'll get it anyway. I'd rather they have it over some group of five that didn't deserve it. Why? Because I think that there's an opportunity to earn it, not just because, oh, we got we to gotta give you a seat at the table just because so we get the federal people off our backs. No, I want the best teams in, and I don't care where they're from. Yeah, I think the group of five teams have a winning record when they've been whatever they've been allowed they have a winning record. Great. But I we ain't playing faith, the past. We're playing the future. But I have more faith in the group of five teams to be good than I have in the fourth or fifth place team in the yeah, Big Ten Yeah, but you don't know that. But there has never been a conference to this degree anymore. So I'm not going to look back. I'm going to look he- ahead. So now we're bringing in potential powerhouses in Washington and Oregon joining Penn State, obviously Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin has been very, very good. Michigan State, Jonathan Smith. If you're going to look at the past, Jonathan Smith bought Oregon State back from the dead. So certainly he can bring, bring Michigan, Michigan State, State back, back from, from the, the dead. dead. But by the time we get to the playoffs, that fourth or fifth place team is going to be sitting on three or four losses. And, and three or and four of those get losses a, are by one point to nationally ranked teams. And we're going to get to, that's your best case scenario. You can hope for that. And then we're going to get a rematch with a team that's already clobbered them. And we're going to want to see it again? If they deserve it, yes. I can't predict what's going to happen to me if they just deserve it. I have no idea how that game is going to be. So I'm going to get a, a, 
Florida State, which has all sorts of injuries, and I'm going to go watch them get clobbered? It's the same thing. Because they happen to win a watered-down conference? No. Who wants to see that? I don't necessarily want to see that. No. So I'm, I can go, whatever argument you present, I can go right back and present it and throw it right back in your face. And any argument I present, you can go right back and throw it right back in my face. Well, we have to go on what's happened in the past because the future hasn't happened yet. So well, we can that, but guess the future what's is the unlike future. the past. So no, we can't. We cannot. You've never had the Big Ten look like this before. So I disagree a thousand percent. You could Oregon. They put out the thing. You see it on the social media. The number of four, st- five star kids is like twenty two, and nobody else in the old Pac twelve has more than two or three. They st- it stands to reason they're going to be really good. But now they're going to have to do all this travel, and you've got your big two time zone spiel, yep. and they're going to have to do that every game except one or two. And they get in those situations where they've never been before, and they lose by a, a field goal late a couple of times, and now all of a sudden they're out, and I got Boise or whomever is playing nobody, and they get in just because I'm supposed to let you in? No, I'd rather see a team that's more deserving. Yeah. See, I think those teams are already in. You're talking about, if you take the group of five spot away, you're talking about letting in a 10th team from the Big Ten or the SEC. If they're deserving, I've got no problem letting they're in all 12. They're not going to be deserving. Come on. Well, then they're not going to get in. Why are they going to get they in? They are going to get in. Well, you don't know that. <laughs> why could if, if that group of five team is so deserving, why couldn't they get the at-large bid? Because they're a group of five team. And, so, Paul, and we're going to give him. Feinbaum will sit up there on TV and say nobody wants to see Utah. And he we has already a, know that. And he happen. has a vote. No, he has no vote. He didn't. Absolutely, good they for imp- him. They absolutely impact public perception. That helped get Florida State buried. Florida State fans are furious with Herb Street. They think his his comments swayed the committee. And they're guessing. So I mean, I can't, I can't argue hypothesis. Good for them or bad for them, whatever it might be. If you think, I mean, you thought uh, what's-his-face over in Oklahoma was the be-all, end-all with Ohio, Iowa State. Turns out he was wrong. And so they, if they deserve it, they'll get in. With all these bids, if a group of five team is all that, they'll get in. No, you don't know that. If they deserve it, I believe they will. I'd rather have them be deserving rather than be automatic. You don't think deserving teams will get left out because they don't have the brand power. I think the brand power is wildly impactful at this level. It's such a new arena that I don't know. We're going into a whole new ball game, So nothing that happened yesterday matters to me because it's all brand new going forward. Yeah. Yeah, but I think some of these trends aren't going to change. The ones that have the rep, two leagues are going to have the rep. And everybody else, nah, look who you played. You're no good. I guess I have more faith in people who are doing that. I don't dismiss those people. I think that they are charged with trying to get the best teams in, whoever that who's on that committee. This is what they take it very seriously. And I don't just go, ah, to what their task is. You can, but I don't. I think they take it very seriously and the idea being, and plus it's better for the sport. The more discussion, the better it is for the sport. 
Yeah. There's going to be plenty of discussion with this format. I think the four tiers of three, who gets a bye is going to be a big deal. Who gets home right. games and is going so to be a big deal. you're going to give somebody from the Big 12 a bye? Right now, for two years, they're going to do it. I think when they get to the new playoff deal, it'll change. Okay, but, but for two years, they're going to do it. Yeah. All I know is what's a fact. Right now, I can't argue hypothesis. Right now, the top four conference champs, who we assume won't be the group of five, maybe one year it will be, but right now we assume SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and Big 12 champs right. get a bye. And they won't necessarily be the best four. No, they will that not necessarily be That makes no them. sense to me. They will not necessarily be the best four. That is so it's, stupid. I think you can do the math on that and assume they won't be the best four. So why in the world should they get a bye? That's a significant advantage. That's ridiculous. Earn it. On paper, it's a significant advantage. If they blow it and lose, it'll be all the easier to take it away from them in two years. But... Uh, and then in two years, well, I'll change my mind. But I'm not. I I don't know that I'll be alive Sunday. <laughs> and so I, now you're asking me what's going to happen on two two years from now. You should write Kyle Shanahan a check. You owe him. <laughs> I don't know. You owe him. <laughs> what a great line. <laughs> right. So you're may, maybe so. And in two years, we'll come back here and you'll be right, and I'll say, yeah, okay, you were right, and that's the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, and I can see where you're saying that, but. The, the, that's the thing that gets me the most. Other thing is that changes the four in, yeah. buys. Other thing that changes in two years. Right now, because they had the deal in, with the New Year Six, those uh, quarterfinal games when they're down to eight teams will be played in, in bowls. I bet they get moved on campus. That's more money for schools, and it's going to be more money for power schools. So, the whole idea of playing the quarterfinals in bowl sites. Well, it just depends on what TV wants. It's not what the schools want. It's what TV wants. TV calls the shots. They write the checks and call the shots. And they'll want to just just look at our show for all these years. You were in TV. I wasn't. You called the shots. (laughs) It's the same thing. Same principle. I had to go along with it. Liar. Right? (laughs) Liar. I had to scratch and claw to get a little bit of a TV thing. And now finally I got some power. Same same thing, man. TV, TV people call the shots. In this case, what the power schools and what TV want, they'll be in the same boat. That's the reason I'm so confident it'll happen. And if in two years I'm wrong, call me on it. But well, I really think that'll okay, happen. Okay, so maybe it's down the line. If it's not two years, it's somewhere down the line. No, the TV deal's up in two years. I understand be a new contract. That, but I, but yeah. I don't know how long the TV second contract is going to be. That's what I'm saying. If it goes for five years, then maybe in six years. Alabama and Ohio State are going to get buys, or Georgia or whoever, and they're going to want home games. And and they're gonna, and the TV execs are going to say, hey, that's going to look great. Yeah, let's do it. Everybody's going to be on board within two years. They just got to wait it out. You could have a four-loss team get a bye. That seems ridiculous to me. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen, but it it could. I do think you'll see two lost teams getting a bye for sure, and you might see three. Four seems like a stretch. And I, I just, We're going to redo it, but let's redo it to get the best of the best. And the fact is... Those teams and those conferences, they are the best. Georgia's not going to get a bye and they lose one game. Doesn't make any well, sense. If they're that good, they'll go on the road to the uh, that's, that's to, not the point. To Florida State or Utah. They're and they'll always win. that good. And they'll win in advance. But anyway. what about your two time zone travel spiel? It's not earned. That's the point. I'm tired of anointing things and giving things to people in this sport that they haven't earned. And this seems like another situation of potential travesty because it wasn't earned. Well, I don't think a committee deciding that the fourth best team in some league 
deserves something is earned either. It's judged. It's, okay, it's I not do. earned. I think we'll know. I think we, we, the NFL draft proves it when you got one guy drafted over here and seven guys drafted over there. I mean, the numbers, they're astounding. Now you own Gordon. They do. <laughs> you got to write checks to all these people. Those numbers are astounding. You're using all, everybody else's, uh, what do they call that? The uh, intellectual property. Using everybody else's intellectual I property. I have no intellectual property. That's why you're ripping other people off. I get I, it. I speak what's ever in my heart. <laughs> there you go. 15 minutes later. Almost 16. You know where I stand. There you go. Our thoughts on the playoff. Coming up next, Jazz get creamed. Stay with us. We'll get to that on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Good morning. Welcome on in. The Jazz with a pathetic effort in Atlanta. They just get slaughtered. Lose wire to wire. The Hawks without Trey Young. No problem. The Jazz just roll over and play dead. Man, they looked awful. There's nothing else I can say. Here's Jake Scott with a recap and get your comments in the locker room. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK 97.5 VKSL Sports Zone. The Jazz fall to the Hawks last night, 124 to 97 uh, in Atlanta. The Jazz did not shoot the ball well. Uh, only 37% from the field. They were led by Colin Sexton, who had 22 points. Uh, Keontae George added 14. Walker Kessler had 14 and 12 coming in off the bench. Let's get to the postgame sound and start things off with Jazz head coach Will Hardy. A very tough game. But we have to do a much better job, everybody in the locker room, of our approach coming into these games. Like, the game is not going to just reveal itself to us it's not going to just happen and I think um, I don't think this has been something that our team has done a lot but I felt tonight that we just sort of drifted into the game and the turnovers at a certain point we've got to take some individual accountability to just being really sloppy with the ball Um, it's not always about decision making it's not always about spacing it's not always about kind of the tactical parts there's just some times where like you've just gotta appreciate the ball and lately I feel like more of our turnovers than not we've just been really careless with the ball you can dribble off your foot that can happen in the game Um, a ball can slip out of your hands you can have a really good intent and throw a pass to a teammate that was maybe thrown a little bit too hard and went through his hands. And then you can also have turnovers where it's like, I don't understand where we're going. We're driving into two and three people. We're throwing passes that have no chance of getting there. Um, and it's just, it's, it's deflating to the group. Um, tonight it was the starters. You know, our starters turned in 12 turnovers just those five people and um it made it really hard for that group to score um and when you compound that with a night where you don't shoot the ball well and you can't seem to get one to go in it the game feels ugly but um I think defensively you know we had some some pretty good moments actually um you know they made a a good amount of mid-range jump shots tonight which um can happen 
I think our activity has improved over the last couple of games defensively overall. Um, but playing the game down 20 for a while is really hard to do. So, um, you know, tomorrow we've got to really refocus and get ready for Orlando. Um, and my only concern, the only thing that I care about with our team is that we we come with the appropriate, you know, approach to the game. And at tip-off, you are shot out of a cannon. You've talked about how some of the turnovers are guys kind of having the best of intentions and trying to do the right thing, and, and, but are maybe not thinking from a team kind of construct. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's what's happening tonight? Or what do Um, yeah, I mean, I think that could be not every turnover is the same. Um, I think for sure there are some times where guys are doing too much individually. Um, I also think that we just have moments where, you know, we're we're not just sloppy with the ball, but we're sloppy with our execution and it it leads to turnover you know we had a couple early in the game I mean I think the ball hit Colin's foot like twice in the first three minutes coming from one of our players like a handoff that we get the ball batted out of our hands and goes off his foot like we're just being we're sloppy with our execution which leads to us being sloppy with the ball bless you fire away Yeah, I mean, I think Taylor's number one thing has to be focus on his defensive assignment. Um, I recognize that he's getting put on a variety of players. You know, the last three games, it's been Brandon Miller, Wembanyama, and now Bogdanovich. Um, I recognize that those three people are very different, but to be the type of defensive player that we want Taylor to be, he's going to have to be able to take on a variety of matchups. And so his first focus is that. His second focus is being somebody that is um, unbearable for the other team to play against from an energy standpoint. I thought tonight he didn't do as good of a job crashing the offensive glass as he had done in the previous two games. I think the Charlotte game in particular, that's kind of how he got himself going was a couple of those tip-ins in the second half. Um, and so those two things are what I'm looking for first and foremost from Taylor. I think he's actually done a pretty good job adjusting to his role offensively. I think he's been relatively disciplined with his spacing. Um, and I think the shots that he's taken offensively have made sense. Um, makes and misses are not really my concern today. It's about taking the right shots, and I think he's done that. But defensive assignment and his energy are going to be, you know, my biggest focuses for him as we close the year. Collins was emotional pre-game, um, hugging his former teammates and some other um, staffers. Um, I'm sure this has been a game he's been thinking about for a while. Was it just tough for him to, to get past those emotions, do you think, to get yeah. the game? Um, I'm not trying to duck your question, but I, I mean, I would defer to John on that one, how he's feeling. I, um, you know, I didn't play, but I've, I've been a part of, you know, I was in San Antonio for 11 years. I know the first time I went back there, it's a weird feeling. You're seeing a lot of people that have been a big part of your journey. 
Um, there's a lot of relationships behind the scenes that people don't see. I think the obvious ones are your teammates and the coaches, but I think when you talk about support staff, people that work in the arena, um, medical team, the people that maybe the fans don't see a lot of, like I'm sure that every person John passed today walking in this building was somebody that he had a relationship with, and that's, um, I would imagine that's pretty heavy. Um, but I'm, I'm going to defer to him in terms of like how the emotions impacted his play. John's energy and competitiveness have been something we've relied on all year. I think, I think John played hard tonight. I think early in the game, obviously, you know, had some sloppy turnovers, which put him behind the curve a little bit. But, um, you know, his approach and effort every night is something that we've really leaned on. There's Jazz head coach Will Hardy. Let's now move on to the players. Here is Colin Sexton. I feel like tonight they got away from us early on, and it wasn't anything we can do about it. Atlanta had 25 points off of 16 tor turnovers. How do you clean that up? Uh, just taking care of the ball, making a simple play, and just doing it over and over. Uh, it's contagious that if we share the ball, we score. So I feel like we got to get more shot attempts as far as making sure that we don't just turn it over. I know it's hard to look at positives, but you had six steals tonight. What were you seeing defensively? Uh, I would say just playing in the gaps, um, playing in the gaps and just making sure that I'm in the right right situations. And I feel like I've been watching a lot of film on where I can be a little bit more aggressive on the defensive end. And um, I'm, they, I'm taking the challenge. They told me I need to up the defense just a little bit, and I feel like that's what I've been doing. And then how can you guys flush this out as you go and face Orlando on Wednesday, Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. We're going to watch the film and um, just continue to learn from it and move on. I feel like at the end of the day, we got to move on from it. we got to wash it out of our system and shake it off and pretty much just know that this is only one game. This one game isn't going to determine the whole season. Perfect. Thank you. That was Colin Sexton, 22 points, three assists for Colin last night in the loss. He did have six steals. You heard him talk about that there. Let's now move on to Keontae George. Tonight. Uh, I just got to get back in transition, uh, you know, as a team. Um, collectively, um, got to gain rebound, got to communicate better on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, when the ball is going to the hoop, you got to figure out ways for to help the team find energy, help the ball find energy. Um, but if you got to go back to the drawing board, you know, got to get back in transition. That's the main thing, though. Atlanta had 25 points off 16 turnover, turnovers. How do you clean that up? Simple answer is take care of the basketball, but, um, you know, being strong with the basketball. Um, um, I mean, making the right reads, um, being aggressive. Um, you know, I feel like all of us, you know, look to score because, um, you know, um, when, when guys look to score, everything kind of opens up. Um, so I think, you know, ball security and, you know, really, um, you know, cherishing, you know, possessions and really locked in on executing and, you know, finishing plays. How do, can you guys get off to a better start than you did tonight? Uh, I think we just got to, I mean, it's, it's easy answer. We got to start fast. We got to um, have intention. Um, we got to, you know, think about the game before we get to the arena. We got to be locked in the whole day. I think it, I think that's where it starts. I think it starts in shoot around. Um, we have a good shoot around. Things, good things will carry over. So I think um, we just got to continue to, you know, buy into what we want to do offensively and defensively, um, you know, because I think what we're doing is, is, is great. So um, we just got to continue to figure it out. And, you know, when we when we see good things happen, we got to make sure they carry over to the next game. I know that prior to this year, you hadn't had a lot of experience playing like full time point guard. What is your comfort level on the ball right now after a few months? Uh, I would say. 
Um, there's always room for improvement, but I think as far as you know how I feel, I feel very comfortable. I think I got to get out my comfort zone when it comes to using my voice. Um, got to continue to use my voice. Um, I feel like I took it a big step um, in that direction, but it's still, you know, um, very uncomfortable at times. You know, I think, you know, we talked before about talking to older guys. I mean, it's just naturally, you know, you kind of want to not step on anybody's toes, you know, even outside of basketball. So I think um, that area and, you know, the constant communication with Will back and forth, you know, looking at him, seeing what he wants. Um, you know, and also he's asking me, you know, what I see and what I think will work. So I think just the constant communication between me and him. Um, and I think my communication level got to be at an all-time high. Um, you know, in you know games like this, we start off 9-0. Um, I think we talked about it. we got to somebody in here has to you know be the one to you know calm us down, bring us back. And you know, I think with me, that's the next part of my development is taking on that role, and you know, even coming back in the halftime, um, being the one to you know stand up and. You know, see, you know, say what I see, and also, um, you know, motivate and you know get guys back on track. Is part of that not just like, you know, using your voice with older guys, but is it because you know playing off ball most of your life, you haven't had to use your voice that much? Is that part of it? Uh, I mean, definitely, I've had to lead in a way, but I think just I played with great point guards coming through high school, so uh, I think uh, being the score for the team and also being the one to take over the game is more so understood that you're going to be the one to, you know, take the shots. And um, but, you know, now um, it's, it's, that's not my role no more. It's we got guys like Lowry, JC, John. Uh, I got to get touches, got to find a rhythm. So it's a whole nother responsibility now than just me scoring. So um, coming into the year was a big jump, but I think um, my, my will to learn and my me, you know, constantly asking questions and, you know, also, you know, figuring out, you know, the personalities of our team and understanding, you know, I can talk to, you know, this guy one way, but, you know, maybe we got to talk to somebody else another way. So it's just, you know, continuing to find that and everything will, you know, come together and click. And then once it does, I mean, I feel like it's going to be real special. When you see the emotion that John had for coming back and then the, the emotion that the crowd and everyone had for him coming back, what do you notice about that as a rookie? Like, what does that teach you about the league and, and kind of, yeah, just kind of a, in that situation? Uh, that relationships mean a lot. Uh, you know, John did a lot for this city, this team, this organization. Uh, and it just shows the, the gratitude that the fans have for him. I mean, it's, trades happen, people, you know, get waived, people get sent off somewhere where they don't want to be. Um, but when you come back and, you know, seeing John, you know, getting emotional uh, during the interview, I mean, it kind of shows the type of love that he has. Understand, he understands that it's a business, but, uh, you know, he also understands that the, the love and the and the, the connections that he built out here, um, you know, meant way more than just, you know, him putting the ball in the hoop. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. That's Keontae George, 14 points, six assists for him in 34 minutes last night, five of 15 shooting, but the Jazz come up short against the Hawks, 124 to 97. Up next, the Jazz will be in Orlando tomorrow night to take on the Magic. Tip-off will be at 5 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 4. There you go. Jazz awful. Back at it tomorrow in Orlando. Joe Ingles' team. All right, coming up next, BYU with an incredible win. We will get to that. Stay with us, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
Good morning. How about college basketball in our community last night? The Aggies in overtime at Fresno and the BYU Cougars with a huge win beating Kansas, making threes, doing what they needed to do. Here's the post game. We got Mark Pope and a couple players and then the Kansas guys. Team win, uh, gritty win. Uh, coming on the road, especially here. We know a lot of people don't beat them at home, so this is really special for us, and um, we know that we're not done, so we got a lot more to accomplish. Uh, this is only one step forward, so, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, like Jack said, big team win. Awesome atmosphere to play in. Um, one of the best, if not the best, I've played in outside of the Marriott Center. I got to ride with the Cougar Nation. But uh, they're a great team, well coached. They play hard. Um, they challenged us on every front, but I thought we responded well and executed our game plan. Take questions. We're open to questions now. Mark, what kind of statement does this win send within the Big 12, like what your program's about and what you guys can accomplish? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, that's a big question for me to answer. We're pretty simple. Um, we, we, you know, I think the guys agree. Um, everybody that grows up knows what this place is. And then this was my first time walking into a game, and I, I've never seen an atmosphere quite like this. It's, it's actually really special, and uh, this is a great team. And so I think as far ahead as we're thinking is um, just that we're grateful that we got an opportunity to, to come compete here. And this, you know, it's one of the meccas and hallowed halls of basketball, and, and, um, and uh, we're really blessed that we, you know, really blessed and really fortunate to come away with a win. Mark, obviously, the environment was wild. You pick up the tech. I mean, were you just trying to combat that a little bit? Kind of what happened there in the time? Huh? Um, I, I, I was, I was. Uh, I, I guess I have to be careful with what I say. I was, I was, I was frustrated in the moment, um, and I just. Um, and so, you know, I wish that I was such a genius coach that, like, I'm going to get a T right now and rally the troops. Uh, that would be a little bit disingenuous. I was actually surprised that the tech was called with the conversation we're having, but it's the heat of the moment, and everyone's feeling the heat of the moment. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I, what, what I'm most proud of is, like, I have a special team and special leaders. It's, actually, it's interesting these two guys both roll, roll out of the game with 18, right? Um, because these guys like spend all time together. They're shooting partners, uh, they're, they're confidants with each other. And that's the long way for me to get around to the fact that like I was having a little conversation with the referees and then we end up, you know, I end up giving up, uh, I think it ended up being one point uh, to the other team. And my guy's composure stayed perfect. And in this environment, in this atmosphere, that's really hard to do. And it's a credit to these guys and how together they are and how much trust they have each other. So I think that was the best part of the tee for me was just coming back to the huddle and my guys being like, let's go, we're good. They weren't like on fire, froth in the mouth. They were just like, hey, we're fine, let's go. Let's keep working, and they did. Hey, Dalen, you uh, had some offensive struggles early and you had those four fouls for a while. I mean, what was your mindset and how did you just kind of click, especially being huge offensively down the stretch? Uh, I just tried to stay engaged. Um, I really trust this team, and that was one thing. Like when I sat down on the bench, I've, you know, we've had such great depth all year, and the next guy's ready to step up. So I trusted in our guys, um, and just stayed engaged because I knew, you know, there'd be a point where I had to step back in. And um, the guys, they really carried us. Jack stepped up huge, bunch of pieces, really um, carried us through that foul trouble stretch. And then when it was my turn to step up, I tried my best to to fulfill that role for the team. For both players, what made you so confident down the stretch, you know, with your three-point shooting abilities? Was it something you noticed with them, uh, what they were doing defensively? How did you all really turn the game with the three ball? 
Uh, I think we work on it every day. Um, like Coach said, me and Dow and one of the last two guys in the gym every day. We're shooting partners. We see each other every day, watch film, stuff like that. Um, and Coach gives us the ultimate confidence, and us as teammates also have confidence in each other. Um, and whether the shot's dropping in the moment or not, it's just next play mentality. Um, and I think it really paid off tonight. Mark, where does this win rank in your tenure at BYU? Oh, man, you guys asked me two complicated questions. Uh, um, this is really special. I think it's special because we all have such deep respect for this program and this venue. Um, you know, I, I think all three of us are, are, are uh, lifelong college basketball fans, and this, um, this arena and this team and this coach uh, and these players, um, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's an all-time mecca. And so um, I think that's what makes it special. And then I think m really what makes it most special for me is, um, is, is you know, we're, we, we talk all the time about faith in our program. Um, it's certainly it's an uh, important part of our university. And um, watching our guys' faith in each other tonight and their faith kind of in the process. Um, you know, we didn't shoot the ball well in the first half and we didn't shoot the ball well start to start the second half, but their faith in, the, in, the, in their abilities and their work. And then um, I just thought it was really special to watch. So that's not a great answer for you. I, I don't know how it ranks, but it's really special. I would put it in the really, really, really special category. And then obviously your defense was not what you wanted the last few games, the road games. What was the difference tonight? And were you purposefully fouling uh, Dickinson? Or was that part of the strategy? <laughs> um, it was not. A, no, it's a good question because you would wonder. Um, that was not actually part of our strategy. Uh, um, I was really proud of the guys defensively. So. Um, you know, this team is hungry to grow. Like, we have really humble guys. Um, we walked into this league very humble, which you should, because this league is just a, is just so tough. And, and uh, we have very humble guys that want to learn. And we have, you know, we've had some ups and downs defensively the last few games. And our guys' willingness to really, it's a, and it's a very unique game plan for us uh, that Coach Fennell put together defensively and the, and the rest of the staff. And then our guys executed at a high level. And we had to make adjustments throughout the game. And the guys were really good at actually making those adjustments throughout the game. So very proud of our defensive effort. Three more questions. Dalen. Uh, when you made the free throws, less than five minutes to go in the game, gave the team its first lead. Coach just cited defense. But in your mind, what were the factors that allowed you to take the lead for the first time at that point? Uh, I thought we stayed true to who we are offensively. Um, and that's a team that gets out and runs in transition <clears throat> and is always on the attack. Um, you know, they're really great defensively, but we trust in our offensive system and what we do, and we knew we'd break through, and so we just kept trying to get out and run in transition, and I thought that really break, just broke it open, and then we kept attacking them in ball screens. Two more questions. Dallin, uh, walk us through that moment where you hit that three over Dickinson. What was going through your mind on that shot? And just walk us through that. Yeah, um, obviously, he's a really good defender, especially inside. So um, I saw he gave me a little bit of space. And uh, everyone was really sticking close to the shooters. And so that's kind of a shot I practice a lot is off the bounce. Like Jax was saying, we practice a lot of things after, after practice. And so that's one of the moves I work on and uh, shoot it with confidence and live with the results. Amen. Last question. Urgency and faith. Last question. Jackson, back to the you know the tech that coach picks up. How, how did you all remain 
you know, kind of composed. No, no, no. The guys I'm, are gonna crush me on the plane. You know that. No, 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 I'm trying to throw the game for no, us. I'm bringing it up because obviously that was sort of a, a moment where you all could have reacted to that, and then you go on to get the win. What was that like? Uh, I give credit to our bench. Um, all the guys on the bench, from the GAs, the coaches, to the players, um, they were all in the huddle with us, just telling us to stay calm, stay composed. Um, and we all stayed together, and I think it really paid off. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Good job, boys. For both players, you know, how difficult is it in a, a game like that so tight when you don't have a guy like Kevin out there to help? Yeah, it is definitely adds a level of difficulty because you know, as you guys know, he uh, he brings a lot to this team, just in offensively and defensively. So, yeah, we are missing him, but um, you know, we got to be able to perform without him as well. How concerned were either of you when Nick went down in the first half that he wasn't able to that he wasn't going to be able to come back? And I guess how happy were you to see him, you know, tough it out through the end? Yeah, I was a, yeah, we were happy to see him get back up. Uh, he's a pretty tough guy, so no, we weren't surprised. It seemed like the ball was sticking for you guys on offense a little bit down the stretch there. Just what do you think contributed to some of the struggles you had to just make shots late? Uh, um, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I think, you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Got mics up both sides. Any other questions? Any other questions? Probably weren't super high in the locker room after the game, but what did coach say to you guys? Uh, well, pretty much that, you know, they did exactly what we thought uh, they were going to do. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, just uh, us being able to, you know, know the scouting report and being able to effectively, uh, yeah, knock it down. When the free throws aren't falling, does that start to creep into your mind at all? Uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd be lying if I if I said it didn't um, definitely affect me out there. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think I got in my head a little bit when um, I started to miss, and I think that kind of uh, snowballed and, you know, really kind of just uh, made, it, made it hard out there. Coach perimeter defense being really important. Where do you feel like you guys let that slip tonight? Um, yeah, just I think uh, switching up because we know they're kind of just their first option is going to shoot the three. So being able to switch up and we uh, we wanted to um, you know send them off the line and force them left. So I think we could have done a better job of that. How difficult has it been with everyone kind of taking on new roles, you know, with Kevin being out and the possibility that he may not return? Um, I, you know, I, th I think the guys are pretty uh, pretty used to the roles now at this point. Um, I think this is probably like our fourth or maybe fifth game without him, and so I think I don't think it's new to us at this point. Um, I think we kind of just got to um, play in those roles now that they're that they've been established. Obviously, three-point shooting was an issue for you guys tonight. Was it something that BYU was doing that you guys can work on, or was it just an off night for you? Uh, yeah, I think we just weren't, weren't hitting shots. Uh, that uh, cost us. Yeah. All right, fellas, thank you. Thanks, guys, Rick Sharp.
You know, it's a crappy day when you get your drip your dilly bar on your shirt and get a chocolate stain on your shirt. You know how difficult are those moments in a close game like that when you don't have Kevin on the floor? And how are you preparing this team with the possibility he may not return? Well, this is the, you know, we're just doing it. We're preparing like he won't, you know. Uh, uh, but this is who this is who we are. When we're good, we're pretty good, and when we're not, we're not. And you know, the thing about it, we like we played pitifully tonight. But when I say we play pitifully, that's also can give the appearance that I'm taking something away from BYU. BYU was better than us tonight. I mean, the the second half after after we got up 12, the second half they controlled it and. We hope to score, and they actually ran offense to score. So, so uh, uh, you know, give them credit. They caused us to look bad, and and, and, and they were successful. Uh, uh, but, but you know, it'll help if, if we had our, you know, had Kevin back. But, Meyer, you know, we, we've been dealing with this for, for about, nah, I'd say, five weeks where he hasn't been himself from a health standpoint. Even when he played, he wasn't himself. And so, so uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're not counting on it. We hope it could happen, but we're certainly not banking on it. Coach, I'm just wondering, how frustrating is it preparing for a team like this, knowing exactly, I mean, you know what they're going to do. And What do you mean? I, I mean, like the, the, the three, you know, they're going to come in and Well, you three. know, there's, there's actually a, a scheme behind shooting the three. They don't come in and just shoot three. So, so you know, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're uh, uh, offense that they ran to do that and, and, and how they set up the ball screens and angles to force whatever you're going to do. There's a strategy behind it. So it, it's not like uh, – uh, uh, I, I would say when you look at most teams, when you scout them, you pretty much know by this time of the year what most teams are going to do. Uh, um, we knew that I, – I, I said they'd shoot 35 threes. They didn't. They only shot 34. Uh, I said if they made 12 or 13, then it would be hard because we only average making five a game. So, so you know, we got to score 30 points from behind the arc. But they didn't shoot the ball particularly well. You know, they, they're 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 capable of making 17 out of 34, and and but they did shoot it well late, and and they had a. a, a you know, some guys step up and make some shots, but our switches weren't good. Our our our, our scouting report defense wasn't good. But even with that being said, we're going to screw up. You got to make your free throws. You got to be able to score in tight. You got to do some things when you don't shoot a lot of threes, and we didn't do that very well at all. To build off of that, what parts I think of the scouting report do you feel like you guys didn't execute to your potential? Well, if you if you switch and you're guarding a guard, and the ball goes inside, you can't help all the way down and go trap the post. You know, it's going to throw it right out to your man for an uncontested look. So there, were, you know, there were some things. The, the the three that we gave up at the end of the first half stung. That 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 one bothered me a lot because we just talked to said in the timeout, this is exactly what they're going to do, and we didn't do it. And and then, uh, uh, you know. Uh, we gave up, uh, you know, Hunt's not used to guarding out there, but, you know, he went to trap the post twice when we're not doing that. And, and uh, they threw it right back to his man, off switches and made a couple. But yeah, there, there was more than that. You know, the right-hand drivers getting to the right hand. There's a lot of things that we could have done better. There you go. That's a wrap, man. What a game for the Cougars. We'll hit it all, get you caught up with what's trending. Coming up next right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
It's time to get your morning started with the news you need to know. News update. This is what's trending with DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Just taking care of the ball, making a simple play, and just doing it over and over. It's contagious that if we share the ball, we score. So I feel like we got to get more shot attempts as far as making sure that we don't just turn it over. Got to gain rebound, got to communicate better on the defensive side of the ball. You know, when the ball is going to the hoop, we got to figure out ways for to help the team find energy, help the ball find energy. You should go back to the drawing board, you know, got to get back in transition. That's the main thing, though. We're not just sloppy with the ball, but we're sloppy with our execution, and it, it leads to turnover. You know, we had a couple early in the game. I mean, I think the ball hit Collins' foot, like, twice in the first three minutes, coming from one of our players, like a handoff that we get the ball batted out of our hands and goes off his foot. Like, we're just being we're sloppy with our execution, which leads to us being sloppy with the ball. There's Will Hardy. Colin Sexton, Keontae George after the Utah Jazz get blown out in Atlanta, 124 to 97, open three game road trip. PK, you were texting me when it was bad and it got worse. I wondered if I was going to see more. 12 scoreless possessions, six turnovers, 0 for 6 shooting. You'd had it at nine, and yet the agony kept going, and it never really got much better. I was embarrassed for him, really. That's the first time in a while I've been embarrassed for him. Hawks are without Trey Young, their best player, leading scorer, blah, blah, blah. They're, not, su- they're not a good team with him. You're supposed to lose without your best scorer. Look at Kansas. That's what happened to them. Their leading scorer was out. The way you beat him, we'll get to that in a bit. I, I was embarrassed for him. They're, that was just inexcusable. I, I, I just want to rip him up and down. That was pathetic. I got nothing for you in terms of positivity. And I've tried to be positive, and I know what. Uh, for me, I get that, but I think I've tried to be, and I oh, can't come up with anything. You have been, and I've been surprised by that. And what can you come up with? That was a 27-point road loss. Right. It's like it'd be bad enough if you lost to the Hawks because they're a bad team. If they have all their guys, they're a bad team. They don't have Trey Young, so that's a hit. And then you don't compete. They don't have Sweet straight, Lou Hudson. Twelve straight possessions to open the game. Who moved to Park City? Old school. Thank you, PK. I mean, get out of town. That was just awful. So they've had three winnable games right out of the gate here, and they've only won one of them. And now the... Whatever. string, man. That's exactly what it is. Just Cancun on three. Let's get out of here. I just read someone was tourist was shot, so I I, I don't know that I would go San Diego on three. Let's go. Uh, Yeah, but then go to more exotic, like... Miami on three. Monaco. Monaco. Ooh. Yeah, the south of France. Start a new romance. All sorts of stuff. Exotic vacation plays. Fiji, let's go. Bora, 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 out with the boys. But first, they play the Magic in Orlando tomorrow night. Who cares? DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Donovan with two minutes to go. Mitchell on the left side. Mitchell into the paint, right corner to Garland. Garland fakes to three. Garland right side, Mitchell. Three ball up. Bang! Cavs lead! Cavs out of timeout. Struce into Mobley. Back to Max. Half court shot. Good! Good! He hit it! Cavs win! This place is going crazy! 
121, 119, in one of the most incredible endings you will ever see. The Cavs shock the Mavs, 121-119. Max Struess officially a 59-foot game winner at the buzzer. He had, he was hot. He'd made four of them between like uh, four minutes and two and a half minutes left in the game. So he's already feeling it. And then he knocks that one down, throws it in. He knock it down. He knocked it down. <laughs> like he's, he came off a, a okay, screen I'm, and he hit a jumper. He chucked it up <laughs> and it went in. things happen occasionally and then afterwards uh he downplayed a little bit yeah my division two school i made a three-quarter court shot to win the game look at him go a half court shot once in cyo at a kid banked it in at uh the end of the second quarter going into halftime elsewhere the warriors win again late season surge they beat the wizards 123 to 112 the Wizards are terrible. They should have won that game. Minnesota keeps it rolling. They beat the terrible Spurs 114-105. to Bunch of teams playing out the string versus a bunch of teams that want to win. We got some pretty predictable results, PK. I don't care Just about the NBA. It. I'm so down <laughs> on the Jazz. I don't care. You can. I know that's your bread and butter next to your soccer, but right now I'm so down on it. The Thunder blew out the Rockets. All right, let's move on to college hoops. Hashtag college basketball. I think it's special because we all have such a deep respect for this program and this venue, this arena, and this team, and this coach, uh, and these players. It's an all-time mecca. And so I think really what makes it most special for me is, you know, we're, we, we talk all the time about faith in our program. It's certainly it's an uh, important part of our university. And watching our guys' faith in each other tonight and their faith kind of in the process. You know, we didn't shoot the ball well in the first half, and we didn't shoot the ball well start to start the second half. But their faith in their ability and their work, and then uh, I just thought it was really special to watch. BYU finishes the game at Kansas on a 19-10 run. Snaps Kansas's 19-game home win streak. They go in there as an unranked team and win. It's a 67-game streak there for the Jayhawks. The Jayhawks just don't lose there very often, PK. And BYU got them. Yeah, they did. I mean, the Jayhawks uh, shoot 19 of 31 from the free throw line. Ouch! Dickinson, 6 of 15. That's just awful. And they were without their McCullough's their leading scorer. They keep talking about how they don't have any bench. Why the crap not? <laughs> Buy some bench players. You, you're you've Kansas. bought in a team for decades. Bought in. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Why can't you have one? And the Cougs had some huge shots. Way to go, man. I was texting with Rubel and Durant uh, last night. And, uh, it was fun times, man. They brought on Pope's wife, Leanne, in the little post-game thing. Took them a long while to get out there. And, and Pope dropping Heavenly Father and Faith. <laughs> yeah. Man. Dropped Faith multiple times. Yeah. In his post-game show and then uh, at the podium. It's so ironic, man, coming from where I come from, that a Pope leads BYU to a victory over Kansas. Who saw that coming? Lose to Kansas State but beat Kansas. Exactly opposite of what... Most of us would have predicted. It's a massive threes. Dallin Hall, who sucked shooting-wise in the last game, but what difference does that make? It's the last game. He and Robinson with 18 points apiece, and Hall was 3 of 6 on his threes. 
And Utah State with a dramatic win at Fresno State in overtime. Darius Brown banking in a three with uh, less than two seconds to go. From the, not foul. from the E and save. How do you not foul? Fresno, make him shoot free throws. Don't let him get that shot off. Yeah, it's just so stupid. Once that once that went in and Scotty G's voice broke <laughs> that you knew that they were going to go ahead and win. Fresno, wake up, man. There's a reason why you're 4-11 in the conference. And Utah State, 11-4. They remain tied for the top spot with the Boise State Broncos. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. It just depends on what opportunities pop up. Um, I will say this, if we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. That's the Bears general manager, Ryan Poles. Will they trade Justin Fields and draft a quarterback at number one? Or will they keep Fields and trade the number one pick? What are they going to do? Unusual deal here. The Bears with the number one pick for the second year in a row. They've got options. And he referenced living in the gray. That goes back to Fields when he unfollowed the Bears and all that. And people reacted, oh, is he mad at the Bears? He's like, I just don't want to hear the noise. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I wish you could just get through the next two months and find out what my deal is, whether they keep me or trade me. And GM acknowledging that. But in the meantime, I guess he's well paid to wait this out while the Bears figure it out. I'd probably move him, PK. What would you do? For who? Well, I don't know. I don't know what they get, but I think no, 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 no. move him. No, move a quarterback. Oh, to draft? Yeah, I would probably take Caleb Williams. Well, I mean, I think you got to know what you're doing, man. I mean, probably in those situations. You got to be sold on him 1,000%. You? What? Would you trade Fields? And if you did, would it be to draft Williams or would it be to draft May or somebody else? Yeah, Slopes. <laughs> okay. Thank I mean, you, PK. You better get a big time payback for that. I think Fields is fine. And you got to have some kind of team around you. But, you know, if you, if you think Williams is all that, you have to be sure of it. You just, you just have to know he's going to be our guy for the next 10 years. And if you feel that way, undoubtedly, you, unanimously, then, yeah, that's up to them to think that. I mean, I can guess, but what do I know as far as what Williams is going to do? It's up to them. Cowboys Executive Vice President and member of the Competition Committee, Stephen Jones, expects a change in the kickoff rule. He anticipates the committee to present ownership in the spring meetings, a one-year alternative that'll make returns part of the game again. During the uh, week, different options were presented, including the XFL model, kicking team lines up at 35, return team lines up at 30, and only the kicker and the returner are allowed to move until the ball is touched. Right now, the majority of these are touchbacks, and then there's still a handful more of uh, kicks that are fair caught. So very few uh, returns at this point. We'll see if they put that back in the game. That is what is trending. There are your headlines. More 
Hoops with Greg Rubel, radio voice of the Cougars. He's scheduled to join us at 9 o'clock. Also, Tim Lacombe, jazz radio analyst at 8.30. And it's a win ticket Wednesday. we got tickets to Santana at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater coming up August 21st. We'll give those tickets away at about uh, between 8.30 and 9 this morning. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. You're listening to DJ and PK. Presented by Murdoch Chevrolet. I love it. Proudly serving Utah since 1926. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Nominate the youth sports volunteer that you know for the Hercules Hero of the Week. Submit your nomination at kslsports.com slash contest and listen every Thursday afternoon to JJ and Alex for the winner. Help us celebrate the efforts of those volunteers making an impact with the Hercules Hero of the Week, sponsored by Hercules Credit Union. Band of the Day, Santana. We're giving away tickets on a win tickets Wednesday to see Santana at the Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on August 21st. We'll give those tickets away coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Question of the morning. BYU goes into fog and beats number 7 Kansas. How the freak about that? P-H-R-E-A-K. Thank you. Well, I'm from Phoenix. <laughs> nice. And fog is pH. It all comes together. Right. It do. It did. And it will. Started out with a shot, Caleb. They want to be like BYU today. (laughs) Jake, well, this aged well. (laughs) Jason, uh, BYU won, so uh, dot, dot, dot. What do you mean? They want to be like BYU today. Get blown out. And and wait, wait, wait. and Caleb wasn't paying attention well, to the BYU game as he posted. Wait, wait, uh, you said about BYU winning, and then you just read an answer that said they want to be like BYU today. That doesn't make any sense. You're right. I screwed that up. <laughs> I've been looking forward to getting to that one all along, and I just read it from the wrong page. Oh. Okay. <laughs> there was a guy on the. There's a jazz question we'll get to coming up at eight oh, o'clock. Without gotcha, Trey Young, gotcha, Hawks gotcha. hammered the Jazz. How embarrassing is that, Caleb? They want to be like BYU today. Assuming that they were going to lose. And he wasn't watching the game. And he even came back and said, I wasn't watching the game. Which, how do you not turn over when one game is competitive and one game is not? I mean, whichever game in any situation. You have to have the subscription. Well, there is that, yes. And then it's a pain in the butt to log off, get back on, yada, yada, and all that stuff. So, uh, Amazing, Alex says. I'm enjoying college basketball more than the tanking jazz these days. Uh, I, I can understand that. That was a uh, about the uh, two extremes that you're going to get. That Jazz game was pathetic. It was a pathetic performance from them. There's no other way to say it. I'm not going to spin. I'm not going to say that, oh, my gosh, it, it, they're back from the All-Star break. All, all, all the tickets that they had to get because uh, 14 guys were from Atlanta. I mean, enough with the excuses. They sucked. Simple as that. They sucked. We'll get to that. We have Underline a whole it. segment for that. The Cougars. Uh, they showed some serious stones uh, because they're down 12 and the mind plays tricks on you, particularly when things aren't going well. And for them, their last two road games against teams that you would think on paper they would be able to beat, they got beat by 10 in each on consecutive Saturdays. And this one here, 
was the uh, second of a two-game road swing through the Kansas uh, schools, K-State on Saturday here. They got all that emotion. Kansas just thinks they're really good because they've been good for decades. I don't think they're really good this year, but that doesn't count. I mean, they're without their leading scorer. The mindset was that they thought that they were going to win. This is what we do. We're at home. Everybody who went to that arena at the Foxter was thinking that, oh, yeah, we're going to win. This BYU team is sucking on the road and struggling big time. And we're Kansas here. We're without our leading scorer. But so what? And they go up 12 and uh, thinking everything's going against you. And they just battle back. They had faith. It's a faith-based institution, and they had faith. Now, don't come at me when I bring up the faith. I'm only repeating what the Pope says. <laughs> you are really looking forward to this. That's Those are facts. <laughs> it is all true. They're facts. It F-A-C-T-S, not F-A-X. I listened, I listened to the post game. He brought it up multiple times. I listened and re-listened. You <laughs> re-listened? Yeah. Can I find this on demand? He brought up his heavenly father. He did. We call that God where I came from. <laughs> You're from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Same person. And there you go, man. Big threes, Dallin Hall, uh, Jackson Robinson. Because they didn't shoot the ball that well. They shot uh, 39% from the field. Now, 38 from three is decent. They were good at the line. Good enough, anyway, especially compared to Kansas. Kansas Kansas left a lot of points out there on the floor. Right. They both scored 19 from the free throw line, but the Cougs only shot 24, and the Jayhawks shot 31. He shot 61% at home. And Dickinson, man, 6 of 15, that's absolutely awful. He had a double-double, but you got to be better than that, 6 of 15. I I mean, I think I can go out here now. I haven't shot a basketball since I drained that game-winning hook shot over Ben Anderson four (laughs) years ago. I mean, literally, I've not shot a basketball since then, and I think I could go give me like 10 warm-ups, and I could at least hit 7 out of 15. I mean, come on, dude. That was awful. But the Cougs just, they had faith. I get where he's going with that. You gotta, you gotta believe in that situation. You gotta believe you can do it. When you rise up to take that shot, wherever that shot may be, you've got to have confidence that it's going in. You know, it wasn't a heave. I'm not talking about a struce or a desperation. Nevada had one to beat uh, CSU last night at half court, and we know what Brown did for the Aggies. Uh, those, you got no choice just to fire it up. So you're not really thinking here. That wasn't the case. They were legitimate shots within the framework of an offense, and you've got to believe that you can do it, and they did it. This is great. That is the overwhelming reaction. Nancy, such a great win. I never saw that coming. That was so much fun. Yeah. Brett, freaking awesome. P-H-R-E-A-K-I-N. He played along. Freaking awesome for my son who went to TDS. (laughs) That's just football. You don't do that basketball. Well, Brett does. No. Mark, well, this is certainly better than seeing BYU lose to Loyola, Marymount, Pepperdine, and Pacific in half-empty high school gyms. And it's definitely better than watching the Jazz do whatever it was they were doing in Atlanta tonight. You know what's awesome now for the BYU uh, employees and all that? They don't have to justify it. <laughs> they don't. They spent the Big 12. <laughs> 13 years telling us how good the West Coast hey, Conference was. Hey, this is the eighth best conference yeah. in the country. <laughs> This is the seventh best conference. <laughs> and they're trying to sell it constantly. 
and that uh, gyms and all that. Now you don't you don't and owe the Big anything. Twelve sells itself. It, it, it's, it bracketology yeah. comes out, and they got all these teams in the NCAA tournament. A bunch of them seated really well. Well, the polls came the out polls yesterday. Are they out. Had three They're in, there. in the yeah. top eight. Every, Houston moved up to number one. Everything about the Big Twelve says this is really good college basketball. It is. It, it's a great conference. This is the best thing that has happened to BYU basketball. Getting in the Big 12. I don't think there's anything else that can compare in the history of BYU basketball. And they've had some good moments. The Ainge, Layup, Jimmer, uh, Chosage. We had uh, Doug uh, Doug Richards on, uh, brother of uh, deceased uh, star here locally and with the Cowboys, uh, Golden Richards. He played with Chosage. He played at basketball BYU. And they're telling us, and, and I've heard, I never saw the guy play, but I heard how great he was. And... Everything is secondary to being in this conference. This opens up a whole just avenue, a world, whatever you want to say, that has never been there before uh, because they're talking about it. They're talking about BYU. It was, you know, you had uh, a dramatic night. The Shepherd, the, I think he's the son of the guy who lit up the Utes, Jeff Shepard, mm-hmm. in the finals. Yep. He hits the game winner. Last night, a little lean-in shot for Kentucky. That was a fun shot. And so that was there, but they went. Lead story was the Cougars winning over the Jayhawks in Lawrence. That's just incredible. Cements, they're, they're in the tournament without question now. And now they're playing for seeding. And I, I also think it puts the pressure on no more ones and dones. You can win at Kansas, then you can, you can win, win in the NCAA floor tournament on someone yep. who's going to have a worse seed than you, because uh, I think that's what's going to happen. So it was it's just tremendous, tremendous. And they finished fifth last year in the West Coast Conference. People were down on Pope. Well, it's not like he's getting the last laugh because there's never a last laugh. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, it's ongoing in sports. You just have to keep doing it and proving it and so forth. Uh, you know, unless he were to win the NCAA title, uh, this is something that. That it's just a, it's a, always a developing story with uh, sports with these guys in particular. So they're gonna have to do it again and again. Uh, but they just came out there and they just showed some serious moxie. That was what was so cool about it to be able to come from behind like that and the, and sort of win going away a little bit. Well, they were definitely pulling away at the end. That was a one point game with five minutes to go, and they end up winning it by eight, nineteen to ten to finish the game. And the headlines. Poised BYU. So to your point about how they look, the moxie, uh, it's one thing to hit the shots. It's another pe- another thing to pass the eyeball test. And if people look at the body language and think, man, one team really expects to do this right now. And the other team, they think they ought to because they're at home and they're good, and, and but they're struggling looking for answers. And when you're, you're doing basic stuff in a close game like giving away points at the free throw line, that often comes back to haunt you. And it haunted Kansas. Adam, fetch ya, P-H-E-T-C-H. Look at this. People are playing along. They like your wordplay. I thought it would work. It did, absolutely. There's a lot of P-H answers in here. Right. Eldon, just like riding the roller coaster. Well, welcome to the Big 12. And I I can't remember who to give it credit to, but the line earlier this year, everybody's trying to have a win streak of one. Every game, and actually people are referencing that. Paul, enjoy it tonight, but TCU's no slouch in town this Saturday. Well, that's because it's a good league and there are a lot of good teams, and even the teams that aren't having a good year have shown that they can pull upsets and beat people. 
BYU went to Oklahoma State, lost, looked bad doing it. Didn't look like the poise team in that game, but didn't well, this one. correct me if I'm wrong, but TCU beat Houston. <laughs> you don't really need to say more than that? I don't think you do. <laughs> if you can take down Houston, who's number one again, you can beat anybody. Yeah. I'll double-check that, but if memory serves. Yeah, this, this, has been some, this has been a void filler for me. I now look forward to Saturdays, the early game, watching the Big 12. And we had one with Baylor and Houston last Saturday that went into OT. Yeah, it was incredible. And then on Monday night, I'm watching some random West Virginia, K-State overtime. And Tang, who's been there for two years, we talked about it yesterday with Riley. This is his second year, so he's like a year and three quarters into it. In overtime, he's 12-0. and zero. And this year, he's 7-0. and zero. He played seven overtime games this year. They won all seven of them. <laughs> he played five last year. They won all five of them. It, it's a doesn't make any, It doesn't anomaly. make any sense at all. No. Every time he goes to another overtime game, you think, okay, now the streak ends. Right. But the point being is that these are such wildly entertaining ball games that for me on the Saturday day, because we don't usually play our team Saturday at noon or at 10. No, but, in the West, it's yeah, mostly seven o'clock games. But they do, and usually in the winter, I got nothing to do right around then. So a good game at noon yeah. or two gets ahead of gets the day started early. Right, and it's it's fun to watch, and I've been watching it, and they've had so many great great games. It's really been just incredible. This conference has been more than what they possibly could have hoped for, imagined, whatnot. They just own basketball, and good for them. Good for the conference. And there's reason to believe, uh, at least for the short term, that it'll get better because they'll bring in four schools or three schools. Arizona's coming in, right? Yeah. yeah. It's an, yeah. Oklahoma, and, 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 Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. And Kansas actually was coming in off wins over Oklahoma and Texas, which, you know, Texas yeah. is obviously not great. Oklahoma's pretty good. Eh, Texas is decent. Decent. I'll give you decent. Are they going to make the NCAA tournament? I think they got a shot. For Kansas, with those two who they've been in the league with forever and they're leaving them, it had to be satisfying to give them an L on the way out the door. Those are their last two games. And your point about McCullers being out and you know down a leading score, and that's got to hurt. But it's, they're 5-2 and two in their last seven. Now, he played in a couple of those. So yeah. I think they're 3-2 and two now in their last five. They were 3-1, and one, I think, without him, but going into that game. And, and the Oklahoma and Texas went yeah, along the way. I mean, he didn't play, but it sucks for them. Yeah. Uh, they shoot free throws, they win the game. To your point, this Saturday, it's going to start even earlier. ABC has number 7 Kansas and number 15 Baylor at 11 a.m. <laughs> the college basketball day starts early Saturday. Well, it, it has been. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. There's been, it's like football. Oklahoma State and Texas. There's noon, a game so. or games. It's early. Interesting. And here with this conference is what I've been looking at. I mean, Texas says 7 and 8. If They say if you go 500 in the league, if you had a decent non-conference, you get in. And as you know, Texas started off the season by hammering Incarnate Word, 88 to 56. <laughs> I did not know. Came that. back and beat Delaware State, nice, 86 to 59, almost an identical score. I might add. TCU will be coming in with an uh, identical record to BYU in conference play, eight and seven. And you were right about that Houston thing. Maybe Houston 68-67. So. Well, yeah, that that's something that's going to carry. If you beat the number one team in the country 
you're probably going to get in the tournament as long as you just are halfway decent. And certainly TCU is halfway decent at eight and seven, 19 and uh, 19 and nine. Yeah, 19 and nine is what I think right. they are. Right. So there you go, man. I mean, there's a log jam there. Houston, uh, Houston and Iowa State, I think, have separated themselves. And then it's. Uh... And, but BYU beat Iowa State. And they got to go, if they go into Ames and win. Well, that goes back to your point about the tournament. If you can go into Kansas and win, if you can beat Iowa State, why can't you beat a lower-seeded team on a neutral floor? And all the all the predictions right now have BYU in that 6-7-8 range. And the 8 stuff was oh, all before five is possible. Was all before they beat Kansas. And this is the kind of thing that will lift them up. I think they were uh, – most people had him as a seven going into that game. It, it, but this pick it this up. win, it lifts and separates. That a kid. <laughs> that a kid. What? You know what? It does. It, does. it lifts and it's separates. An old, it's an old, that's an old TV commercial. <laughs> well, it's so. true. It lifts them up and it separates, separates them, them from, from the pack. The, from the pack, the mediocrity yeah. in the middle of the NCAA tournament. Right. I don't know what you're thinking. You do this too. is a, a, a liftation and a separation. There's no question about that, man. Do you care about getting a double bye in the conference tournament? Top four. Or they're in the NCAA I mean, tournament. If you, if you have that opportunity, so I don't care if I don't have it, but if I've got it, I'll take advantage of it. Kansas and Baylor are third and fourth at nine and six. BYU, Texas Tech, and TCU all a game back at eight and seven. So five, six, seven seeds as it stands now, but – Hey, we've still got uh, three more games, so time for plenty of chaos. Because the conference is so stinking deep with quality teams, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Now, if you want the rest and opportunity to avoid injury and all that stuff, but I'm talking about for NCAA seeding purposes. I can't predict calamity happening. I don't know about that. Uh, But I think that for NCAA seeding purposes, I don't think that it's a big, big deal. Oh, man, you didn't get the buy, the double buy in the tournament. Not in this conference. I mean, the Pac-12, Mountain West, whatever, that's another story. But here, I don't think for the seeding purposes that if you miss out, people are going to say, well, you didn't get that because whoever that fifth, sixth, seventh place team is and are, they're very good teams. They're all going to have in the 20-plus wins, and they're all going to have great wins. That's a great thing about this conference is that every game practically, not every game, but close to it, every week certainly, with the two games, say you got two games per week, every week is going to give you an opportunity for a big-time win. So in basketball, with shooting being as fickle, if you're on that particular game and the other team isn't, even though they are a big-name team with a great record, you've got a shot to win. And you get those wins, and... They become something that cannot be ignored. They just are eye-catching. And the Cougs, I don't think they needed this win to get where they want to go in in terms of getting the NCAA tournament. But because they got it, it's an eye-catching win that everybody across the country who follows the sport is going to know about. And it's something that you can really, really hang your hat on. And then you got those other wins. I mean, they got beating TCU at home, to me, is a great win. If they should get it on Saturday, absolutely great win. TCU is, a, I've seen them play multiple times. They're a good program. And then you got another shot next week. This is the last week of the season, regular season, the Iowa State thing. Oklahoma State, 
uh, you know, that's not going to be an eye-popping win, but it's just going to add to it if you get that. I assume they will. You never know. Uh, but uh, that that's what this thing is about here. Each week, you have an opportunity to really move the meter, and it was never that way for 13 years in a West Coast conference. You had two shots, four, I guess, if you want to go home and home with St. Mary's, home and home with Gonzaga. San Francisco, maybe occasionally. Santa Clara's okay now, but you're out of the league now, so it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, and there was nothing that was marquee about it except for a couple of times. And here you got every freaking week. And this this really opens the door for BYU to 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 build upon this over the course of the next X amount of years as they go into recruiting because we had uh Riley Jensen was on yesterday when you were gone and he was talking about, you know, he's he's eyeball deep in the recruiting with football, right? With the local kids. And he was talking about how he knows that there were kids two years ago that are coming off missions that he knows literally the deciding factor was, well, they're in the Big 12 now, so I can go there. When I come back from a mission, they'll be playing Big 12 football. Right. And that two years ago, if that announcement wasn't out, he thinks those kids wouldn't have gone to BYU. Right. So that's for football. And we know here locally that there's not that many kids compared to football, right? There's 10 times as more available. But in basketball, they haven't been getting some enough of these local kids. Well, now, my gosh, look what we got going here, and we don't curtain off the uh, upper level here. Right. No, I mean it, and, and and that's your competition is Utah. There's no doubt about it. And look what we got here, and you know there's there's two kids that come to mind right off the top of my head that are seniors this year that aren't going to BYU. One's going to USC, right? Yeah, and the other kid from Alta, I think he's going on a mission, but he's going uh, committed to Utah. He's watching them play last night, flicking around. I uh, texted your boy Dave, hey, are you guys doing the finals tonight or the semifinals tonight? He takes it back. Yeah, we're yeah. doing them tonight too. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> so I turned it on. <laughs> five, five A was Tuesday, six A tonight, I think. Right. And, uh, right. and then four title games on Friday. You can watch, you want day basketball, there'll be four games in a row. You watch them all. Yeah, there's one in particular. I mean, we're going. We're going yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause is going to lead us all the way, I might add. Absolutely. My good friend. And so uh, the point I'm making is this opens doors. This opens doors for recruiting big time. And then if you're a, a, a non-church member and you look at the rules and all that stuff and thought, hey, I, I, I can handle that. Uh, for a year or two or two, three, whatever it might be, well, then you have that opportunity because you're playing in a big-time conference, big-time environments, and you're one of those big-time environments. That plays Saturday. What time's that game Saturday? You know? Is it night? It's a night game. Well, that's going to be rocking. I think it's a 7 o'clock game. It's it's just going to be exploding. Saturday night in Provo. Oh, man. <laughs> we might as well call it South Beach. Uh, both the... The two home, they're actually done with day games. Seven o'clock for TCU and Oklahoma State, and the Iowa State game is at six. So, yeah. and those three games will decide the whole conference tournament and who do they see there and more big games. There, BYU right now is only one game away from being the three seed. They're only one game away from being the ten seed. Welcome well, to the think, middle of the Big Twelve. I think what we're going to see the final in Kansas City. Yeah, it's going to be an all Cougars final. <laughs> Houston and BYU, huh? Right, yeah. Cougars galore. And let me tell you, I love Cougars. 
So many jokes. What jokes? I love cougars. Yeah, lift and separate. We're going to take a break. <laughs> when we come back, more college basketball. Stay with us. DJ and PK, what a night in the Mountain West. That was incredible. Was that, was that the second and – well, no, it wasn't. It, it might have been the third Don't and fourth. Don't argue with yourself. Third and fourth, two of the top four games in the country. Next, stay with us. When it comes to the biggest moments in Utah sports history, Say, ah. these guys have seen it all. This is DJ and PK. DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. seconds left to go. Brown near the elbow. Takes the three. Right wing. Yes! There you go. Darius Brown. Oh, yes. A huge three by Darius Brown. The veteran delivers again. That, that wasn't the uh, the last one. That was, that, was, that was Darius Brown with 40 seconds left. He had to hit another one with two seconds left to send Utah State into overtime to get the win at Fresno State. Crazy night in the Mountain West. His bank shot to force overtime, and then in the Nevada game, Nevada at Colorado State, up 11 at halftime, and Jared Lucas makes a three-pointer. And the game was tied. You pointed out earlier, Fresno should have fouled Brown. There was, Or at least if you didn't foul him. Yeah. Did you see the actual play? Yeah. The guy jumps in the air, and then Brown scoots to his right. right. It gets a good You look. don't need to block the shot, son. Just stand, stand there. Stand front of him and keep pressure on him. Stand to his right. He's a right-handed player. If you're going to slight favor anyway, I, go to the right. Make him go to the left. You jump to Brown's left shoulder. There's no need to jump anyway. I don't need a block shot then. So you don't need a steal or a block shot. Just stand there. I think stand that, there with your hands up. That would have been better, but I still would have fouled. I mean, you got a three-point lead. You're under five seconds to go. I just think you have to foul in those situations. Nevada and CSU, couldn't, they couldn't do that because it was a tie game. So Well, the thing about it, there was nobody near him right at the when he got the ball. I totally So agree. by the time the defender got there, that might have been in a shooting motion. Well, you can't have that. But I thought they were close enough to foul. And, and Fine. Foul, foul earlier. That's, yeah. that's something you don't practice. That's a mental thing. This is a physical thing combined with a mental thing. And he makes the shot. And you, Fresno deserved to lose. Now, in the end, I don't think it really matters. Utah you, State's getting in anyway. Yeah. If you finish second in the Mountain West, that's plenty good enough this year. I don't think the seed for first place versus the seed for second place is going to be that big of a difference. Maybe one. Yeah, the third and fourth place teams should both be really good. So, I'm talking about NCAA seed. I'm not talking about uh, Mountain You're talking about yeah. Mountain West. Who cares about the Mountain West tournament? The seventh seed right now is about where Utah State, I've seen Utah State. So, to your point, whether you're six, seven, or eight, tell me more about the team you're facing. Is everybody healthy? Does the style match up and all that stuff? Yeah, and travel. Maybe where there's you a get shot sent. they get sent here. Yeah. Where you get, where do you get sent? Yeah. Uh, as far as that goes, there's a lot of things that go into it. Now, you certainly you want to win, and who doesn't want to be finishing, uh, hey, we took the conference title in 2024. I understand that. 
and yeah, celebrate all you want. That's a great accomplishment if you can be the regular season, uh, win the title in the regular season. That's awesome, no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I see that. And then if you go to Vegas next week, which are two weeks when you when you will, and you want to win that thing, yeah, and then you get cut down the nets. It's a great time. Uh, I understand that, but I'm I'm saying if it doesn't happen. I don't think it's debilitating. That's that's the point I'm making. Celebrate all you want and go for it. It's a phenomenal accomplishment, no question about it. But the point I'm making is you're in either way. Now go see what you can do. And if you were to win out, I think that you can move up a seat or two. Yes. There's a lot of parity in college basketball. The teams around you are bound to lose. So if you win out, that would lift and separate. It made sense. But if you don't, I don't think it's a crushing blow. Agreed. So if Brown would have missed that shot, it would have been a disappointment, but I don't think it's a crushing blow. I don't think you're going to drop that much, if at all, because you're going to look at what you've done over the course of a good long while in a (laughs) conference that has clearly surpassed the Pac-12. Pac-12 is dying on the vine. Like the Jazz, just getting through it, and yeah. it'll be over. Right. And on to the next thing. Right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. When we come back, more on the Utah Jazz and the beating they absorbed in Atlanta. That's coming up. Tim Lacombe is here. He'll join us at 8.30. Greg Rubel, radio voice of the Cougars at 9 o'clock. And it's a win tickets Wednesday in about an hour. We'll give away tickets to see Santana at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater. That's coming up at the 8 o'clock hour right here on The Zone. This is DJ and PK, Utah's highest-rated sports radio morning show for over 20 years. Ridiculously good. Presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. DJ and PK, Hot Takes and Toast, brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen with 30 years of serving Utah. PK, we got hot takes. People are down on the Jazz. Another bad road performance in a team that has had bad road performances on and off all year long. And now that we're at the end, well, at least the last third, the word tank is getting used a lot. Without Trey Young, the Hawks hammer the Jazz. How embarrassing is that? Alex, honestly, you can expect them to lose every night. Hashtag tank note. We went from mediocre to flat-out awful. No question about it, man. The thing about that game is they were never in it. They start off with turnovers and clank threes. Can we stop with the threes? The the whole goal is to get up threes. I could have played in the NBA then. (laughs) Because back in the day, I could have got up threes left and right. I want shots that go in. Six misses and six turnovers on the first 12 possessions. That was awful. 
a mess. Complete and total. You were never competitive in that game, and I don't want to hear the crowd was apathetic and you had to travel. They don't make excuses. It's other people making excuses. Uh, None of that. Suck it up and ball, and they just didn't. There was no competitive fire, no spirit. no Somebody get a technical foul. Push somebody. Do something. Leroy, marketing and the whole organization has given up on winning this year. It's very obvious that they have entered tank city. And then you know what else bothered me? Is this listeners, the people who I love, it's you. It bugged me. It was like a freaking dance party, high school reunion after the game. That used to only happen at the end of playoff series. And now it happens every Did I need these passionate hugs? Yes. And did I need them smiling and carrying on? You just got your butts kicked and your Collins was dancing? Did I need to see that? Am I off base? If I'm off base, people, let me know. 566-1647, whatever that crap it is. I don't know. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) I don't know the number. I don't know the text line. Never knew. That's your job. Sarah had me reading 15 things yesterday. I was pulling my hair out. That's that's your job, not my job. I don't make the rules. I know you don't, but <laughs> you were still telling me you got to do this, this, and this. I wouldn't have known them. If you would have blown it off, I wouldn't have known. I would have said, hey, don't blame me, blame Sarah. Uh, my job is to, to bring it. And to watch these guys, like, you, you couldn't have seen Quinn Snyder the night before or before the game, or Collins, I realize he played there, but that they, it was like a wedding reception line. In Did the I co- need that? After you got your butts kicked, how about you turn and walk to the locker room instead of, who gives a crap? I'm a millionaire. Hey, it's good to see you, Mike, Bob, Joe, Billy. Let's smile and carry on. We just embarrassed ourselves for 48 minutes, but it doesn't matter. I'm with my homies. This is great. Yeah, and? That bothers me. That's I know, what I'm saying. What but, do you mean, and? But you want honesty, and that's honest. I don't like it either. I don't think most fans like it. Could you at least be a little upset by losing? Granted, yeah. they'd had two and a half hours to get used to the concept because they were bad literally from the opening tip-off. Oh, they've tip lost off. six out of seven. They've had weeks. Yeah. Well, they knew once the trades were made. We're not going to the playoffs. This season is over. Let's just get through it. But, but couldn't you at least be competitive against the Hawks? You'd like to think. Jaden, losing happens. I get it. But getting blown out by shorthanded teams is unacceptable. Right. If they lose playing good games, then I'm okay with it. The fans have lowered the bar, but it's some kind of limbo contest here, and the Jazz are now underneath the lowered bar. It used to be you had to win. Eh, now you don't have to win, you can lose. If you play well, then it's a good game. I would just like to see some kind of emotion, some kind of passion. And, and it, it was sterile. It's like I was watching a bunch of robots out there. Maybe Sexton has it, and nobody else does. And then it was just, oh, well, we lost. Now it's time to be with my friends. Haven't seen them in a while. I mean, my gosh, if they're if you're that tight with these people, you got four or five months off. You got millions of dollars. Go visit them for a weekend. <laughs> well, they'll go work out together in L.A. or Miami. Fine. But, no. It's just, walk off the court. Give them a little wave. There's a tunnel in back where there's no TV cameras. You yeah. can't hug there. That's fine. Do it there. I, know. I, know. I think it was just it was just bad optics to me. You got slaughtered. You weren't competitive, and then you're just yucking it up after the game. Tony, it's going to happen the rest of the season. We're not looking to win much. Just letting the young players get more minutes heading into the off season. 
Besides, we don't want to be in a playing game just to get destroyed. As much as we all want them to win, the reality is the Jazz won't. But I still enjoy watching them play. Hopefully the offseason is good and yeah. all this losing will help improve for next season. I didn't enjoy it last night. I absolutely didn't enjoy it. No. There's no way. That was not enjoyable. That was embarrassing. Hammered by the Hawks. Right. That was hell to get hammered by the Hawks. Stack up those H-words. Holy freak. Jacob, I said my piece about the Jazz in December. Thank goodness for BYU. What was your piece, Jacob? I don't know. He must have lit them up. He must have lit them up. <laughs> but he is on the record. He's not depressed in late February because he's moved on to college hoops. Oh, college hoops. It's so temporary, though. Darren, I mean, the plan was to tank the season for draft picks, so good job, Jazz. To get blown out by 27 points to the Hawks, the 26 and 32 Hawks, who, with this win, at home, moved to an impressive 15 and 16. Well, as you texted me yesterday, late arriving crowd, they ain't coming. It's right. Atlanta. Right. And it's been like that for decades. Exactly. It's, this is not new. Right, it is. Hot Rod and Jerry Sloan went into Atlanta and were like, oh, I don't think there'll be anybody here tonight. Right. Right. That, that's, that's the way it is there. Carlos thinks it's our fault. Well, what are you expecting this season? And maybe next season. I'm expecting them to be able to come within 26 points of the Atlanta Hawks when the Hawks don't have Trey Young. That's what I'm expecting. Nope. You're missing the point. Nope. It's not about winning and losing. It's about showing me something. I saw more passion after the game than I saw during the game. Cameron, that's what we do. We play down to the level of the other team. No, you didn't. We're you played ex- down to the level of the worst G League team. We're expecting them to be <laughs> without key players instead of playing our brand of basketball. We should win these games handily. And I want to see more out of Hardy. I know he's the greatest coach since Snyder. I get that. We have a string of just having nothing but the best that come through here. I understand that. Uh, but where was this was a masterpiece of you-know-what. I came out of my chair and gave him a standing O when he said that. What was the difference between that? Who was that, against Houston? No, that was at Dallas. Dallas? Masterpiece of... Right, well, what was the difference? At least Dallas is a better team. Dallas is a better point. Maybe Maybe that was the only difference, and that's why it was 27, not 50. Don. I feel like I'm showing more passion than they showed. Done. The Jazz played one of the worst games I've seen. Amen. Bottom drawer. Bottom drawer? Reed, on the other hand, I don't get embarrassed by the Jazz anymore. In fact, I just don't expect anything with the Jazz anymore. You didn't expect more than what they gave you against the Hawks? I don't understand that. I did, but it didn't happen. I not only expect it, I demand it. Good luck with that. I don't I don't need luck. I'm not going to change it. It's not about luck. It's about effort. It's about passion, determination. Luck is not involved. There's no luck involved whatsoever in that. Just show me something. 
Do something. Quit turning it over. Quit jacking up a bunch of bricks that have no chance to go in. That, that That's luck? I need luck for that? I don't think so. Good luck getting them to change was my point, PK. The well, season is over. They are done. It has nothing to do with the season. It has nothing to do. We're not, this is not big picture. This is a Tuesday night in Atlanta. This is what I'm upset about. I'm not upset about them losing and all that. They made the trades. The results are going to be what they are. Y'all are missing the point, and you're a bunch of freaking idiots that are really getting under my skin here this morning, Mm -hmm. and I'm about this far away from swearing and getting myself in big trouble, (laughs) and it's going to be yours' fault. Yous are really, really, and I understand we can say piss now. You're pissing me (laughs) off. I like pissed better. But I heard somebody else use it, and they use it in the promo. So they did. Don't come I heard back that at me. too. I heard yeah. that too. Yeah. I'm expecting Standards. a better Standard. effort. That's what I'm talking about. You want a better effort. Are you really expecting yes, a better effort? Yes, I get yes. you want a better effort. This wouldn't happen under Jerry Sloan. No way. They had no one, way. They had one season like this under Jerry Sloan, and I'd have to go back and look how many times they got mauled by a bad team. They not rolled very over and played dead. From the get-go. They never exactly. showed up. Exactly. Never showed up. Right. It was a They m- should have went out to dinner before the game with those guys. They should have just forfeited. There's these are your tight friends. You love them. You were smiling up a storm. You got your rear end kicked by how many points was it? Twenty seven. Twenty seven points. You should have went out. Let's let's just not even have a game. Let's just go out to dinner and and go to. We know those clubs in Atlanta. I know you've been there. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we have heard them though. I've been to Atlanta several times for work, and I stay in my hotel room the entire time. <laughs> and you have great Atlanta stories though. Yeah, I do. The fire at Georgia Tech. Multiple. In the hotel, down the hotel restaurant, was O.J. Simpson. After the slaughterization of two people. I don't think I knew that story. Mm -hmm. I don't think you told me that. OJ was in your hotel. Yeah. 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 I'm expecting tomorrow against Orlando. Yes. Every game. I'm expecting an effort. A competitive fire. Absolutely, I'm expecting it. And I will continue to expect. I will settle for nothing less at any time. Once you start... Well, yeah, no, no, there's just no way, no, just no. And I'm going to say it one more time. No, fetch no. (laughs) I expect more of these. I don't think this will happen every night because I don't think that happens to anybody in the NBA every night. But I think they're going to be more of these. They're they're playing out the string, and there are nights it looks like that, and this was one of them. Charlotte was disappointing, but it didn't look as bad as this. But oh, not even also, close. But they're also at home and yeah, all season long. I think you're missing a point here. They've shown up at home when they haven't shown up on the road. And they didn't show yeah. up on the road. This was about we're in Atlanta. We're with our buddies. I'm home. I'm going to hug so-and-so afterward. It seems like that's where they were more interested in. Outside of Joe Ingles and jo- Jordan Clarkson tomorrow night, there's going to be nobody hugging each other. That's what I'm talking about. It seemed like they were more interested in doing that. 
than playing the game. That doesn't happen every night. You don't go against your former coach. The one player who was there and hadn't been traded, and this was the first time he was traded, This that the circumstances are they seem more interested in worrying about being with their buddies and talking and hugging and dancing with them afterward and smiling after you just got destroyed by 27 points. That's not going to happen every okay. night. Not the dancing. But the hugs and the smiles, even in defeat, is not unusual in the NBA. Does it happen every night? I can't say it does because I don't watch for it every night. Not to that level. I've certainly seen it more. Well, dancing's a different level. But everybody's friends with everybody, and teams don't just turn and walk off the floor. Oh, sure they do. I see it all the time. The the Jazz, all these recent losses, when they're at home, the locker room's right there. Boom, they're out there. Go get out there. You're done. Game's we over. We will see more. Goodbye. We will see more hugging after more games. Not like that. Not that you can justify. You you you're justifying it. I'm not. I will not justify it under any circumstance. I'm accepting that they're done and they've mailed it in, and it sucks. But the good news is, you and I don't pay a lot of money for tickets to go watch that stuff. Well, that has nothing to do with it. Mm, I think it does. Well, what what? Nobody paid any money to go to the game last night, and Jazz fans ought to be furious. No. But I, I don't go to games, so what's the difference? <clears throat> I watch them largely, home. I got to get up in the morning. They are largely disgusted. I mean, that's yeah. basically the reaction from this. Right, and nobody paid anything to go to the game. Notes. No, and you're supposed to have a foundation pieces, and you got a quitters are your foundation pieces. Get rid of them all, then. I don't accept that. Stand by for this summer. I don't we'll think, see what happens. I don't think they're going to get rid of them all, and I don't think they're all quitters. But if I'm going to accept that premise, then I've got to. Except that they're quitters and don't give a crap. They're not professionals. They don't really care. And so I, they're only going to care when they win? Well, here's the deal. If you only care when you win, the problem is you're never going to win. By the time they're winning, a lot of the players who are here are going to be gone. Uh, they're all going to be gone. If none of them care about winning, then I want them all gone. Every single last one of them. But I don't believe that. I don't believe that they don't care about winning. Did you think they cared about winning last night or any of the other 10 times that they've just been torched on the road this year? I think they were distracted for the wrong reasons. And some of these guys, no, I don't think they're going to be there. As I'm looking at these guys, I don't expect a kid like Hendricks or George to be running around slamming scores tables and calling people out. They're too young. Right. They have no cachet in the league. They can't do that. Right. They're just, I mean, Hendricks is just a handful of games into it. At least right. George has basically been playing all year. We're coming up on 60 games here. But he's still a young pup. Yep. In two, three years, I'll make that evaluation. No. And Sensiball, I don't, I, I, these guys and Kessler, uh, I don't even want, I, I don't even know if I want them to talk yet. They're too young. To, to be doing anything. And Markin is a, is a laid-back foreign dude. So they don't really have that. They don't have passionate guys. I'm not asking for uh, Draymond Green or Dylan Brooks. I wouldn't mind along those lines of passion, especially a Draymond, who I believe you know really cares about winning, but you know, things have gotten out of control. I'm not asking for them to get out of control and be cheap-shotting people and so forth. But I'm just asking for a little bit more, man. Show some disgust in this. And I'm not going to accept anything but. I got Jerry Sloan, who'd been in the league for 40 years, pushing referees. <laughs> Things you didn't need. 
But nonetheless, he was all in. Right. And this team really has been smoked on the road. I'm looking at some of these brutal scores. Remember when they got blown out in New Orleans by 30? Like it was yesterday. Yeah. Blown out in Brooklyn. Blown out in Boston. And that doesn't even get to Dallas and the masterpiece. It does not. There have been a ton of these. And I suspect there will be more. DJ PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Coming up next... Tim Lacombe, jazz radio analyst, former BYU assistant basketball coach. We will talk hoops with him about the jazz blowout and about the Cougars' great win in Kansas. We'll talk with him coming up next. Then it's a win tickets Wednesday. We'll give away tickets to see Santana at the Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater. And then Greg Rubel, radio voice of the Cougs, joins us at 9 o'clock. DJ PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Twenty years and still going strong. Utah's number one sports radio show for over two decades. You're listening to DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. PK. Brought to you in part by America First Credit Union. Get the official debit cards of the Utah Jazz University of Utah Sports. We also like it more exclusively at America First Credit Union. Shell Branch was born in Sedona, Arizona. Sedona? Yeah. The closest thing we have to St. George and the Red Rock in our my home state. A little higher elevation. I remember being there as a kid a couple times. Montezuma's Well, Montezuma's Castle. There's cl- cliff dwellings there. I remember walking around looking at them. I think it was in like the third grade or something. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit of ways mm. off the off the freeway, but up up in that direction, sure. Yeah, and she uh, enrolled and took voice lessons at NAU, my first college. And still, where your heart is, my lumberjacks. The lumberjacks play the Sun Devils. Who do you root for? Well, that's not a fair fight. It really isn't. <laughs> but still, you want the Lumberjacks to pull the upset? Yeah, but it's not- I mean, in football, it doesn't really work. But in basketball, it could. Uh, yeah, but I don't, they, they don't have, the Devils don't ever go up there. Uh, but it would be cool. Yeah, I'm a Lumberjack at heart. There's no question about it. That's where, that's where I went and uh, learned a lot of things about getting my life in order. That's for sure. I was 17 years old when I went there. Just a kid. Yeah. A pop. Just getting started. Right. Did you do radio and TV up there? They have that stuff, or is that stuff you figured out when you went back to ASU? I did. My my plan was to do print and then do uh, radio TV. So I switched when I went to ASU. But that was my I wanted to get training in both. Hmm. And you can do that at NAU. And I chose print first mm-hmm. and then did uh, the electronic stuff afterwards. So I graduated in electronic, but the plan was to try to get both. And so that I actually had a plan at 17. 
That a kid. Amazing unto itself. When I you didn't. Think about it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I Because I, I knew I wanted to be in sports, and I wasn't good enough to be a player. And my dad wasn't a coach, so I wasn't going to get in that way. Bang. <laughs> DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. It's time to talk basketball with Tim Lacombe. Former BYU assistant. Now you hear him on the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows. Tim brought to you in part by Spherian. Are you a business owner? You have better things to do than job hunt or scramble to find your next great hire. Let Spherian staffing and recruiting do it. Visit Spherian online at Spherian.com slash Utah. Tim, good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you. I imagine I imagine the uh, Cougar coaches and the Jazz coaches are waking up with a very different uh, feeling this morning, and you've probably woken up with that feeling in the uh, pit of your stomach after a horrific loss, and you've and you have awakened just coming off the glorious high of a big, big road win, the roller coaster that is coaching. Oh yeah, roller coaster that's coaching. Um, you know you. <laughs> The, the the euphoria that sort of deal that happens from time to time and man you soak that in I I would imagine there was a throng of people at the airport last night in Provo um, I am a little tired yeah? yeah did you fly down there I drove down there I wanted to welcome them oh, back okay yeah I just wonder if it, your your arms are tired or you're just fatigued. Ayo. No, no, I I just put in my uh, got my Rambler on and in my car and I drove down there. I love it. I yeah. So it was yeah, big win there. You know, I don't know if the NBA if a, a a bad loss if you even feel it anymore. There's so many games, but um, it was definitely the tale of two. <laughs> Two two nights there. Um, I was doing high school games, so it was kind of funny just to sit back and watch the scores. And man, to win the first time you you go into the fog was pretty cool. Yeah, their free free throw defense uh, for the Cougars was just absolutely awesome. Kansas nineteen of thirty one, uh, and and they played without their best score. I get that, but to me, that's just inexcusable do you do you think and how much do you think that you know that's a mental thing thinking that when you go into the arena as you're walking in you're Kansas you're at home you don't lose there you're playing a team that you know decent team for sure but it's really struggled on the road here of late the last couple of Saturdays beating teams that they should on paper be better than and getting beat double digits in both games so I'm wondering if Kansas just was a little bit off mentally and didn't bring the kind of intensity and focus that they needed because as they look at the opposition thinking maybe we got this. Um, probably a little bit of everything, I would imagine. I mean, not to have, you know, McCullers, they have not been as good without him. Right. Um, no doubt. They, But at the same time, like you said, it was, it was the confines of a very friendly place to them. Um, from my you know, everything I heard, the officials tried to help them. Um, and, you know, they just went at the line 1931 and, and you're going to, you're going to pay the price and you miss that many free throws at home. Uh, I think part of it too is, and I think BYU really put pressure on them. They were in the game the whole time. Um, you know, it's awesome when you're in that arena. I, I think back to when we beat Gonzaga that year at third place, they were undefeated. They were number one in the country. And, you know, we went in there. We actually got down really bad early, but 
you get a game close, particularly in the second half, in a place like that where, where teams don't lose, and, man, things get tight. You can actually feel it, you know, and I would imagine, BYU you kind of felt that last night. Three-game win streaks are really hard to come by in the Big 12. As much as we can say, hey, they were missing their big dog, and they were, when they had them earlier, they didn't win three in a row in conference either, and that's just kind of the nature of the Big 12. And I wonder emotionally, Kansas playing Oklahoma and Texas for the last time before they take off. Those aren't the best teams in the league. Houston and Iowa State are, but I bet it still got played up and there was a lot of emotion around those games and just beat those teams. So in a way, maybe it's set up for BYU too. Yeah, hey, regardless, you, or should I say in tribute, irregardlessly. Nice. Irregardless. I like irregardlessly. Uh, Go with that. <laughs> yeah, that's even better. That just adds to the it narrative. It does. It does. Irregardlessly, <laughs> I kind of fell into that one. Um, they won the game. They went on the road at Kansas, um, and it's just a, man, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Um, you know, kind of solidifies their their tournament chances and and their seed. You know, that's a big win for seeding. So all all the way around, just a glorious win. Probably one of the best wins in the history of that place. And there's been a lot of good ones. So uh, big time congratulations to Coach Pope and the team. And um, excited to watch this team in March. I think the Big 12 is the best thing that's ever happened to BYU basketball. What do you think? I do too. Uh, I mean, it's been a it's been a, a big you know, it's been cyclical obviously the, the fall from and having to leave the Mountain West, you know, a conference that was a really good basketball conference that you know, BYU really worked hard to kind of become the king of. Um and you know, the WCC was definitely kind of a – it's almost like you're going 75 miles an hour and you hit a concrete barrier. Um, but I think BYU's back in a place where they're unique. Um, they play a unique brand. I think that has been one of the big revelations and something you got to give Coach Pope and BYU a ton of credit. They, they went into this league and realized they had to be different and had to play different. And last night they outscored Kansas, what, 30 from three. Yes. Um, and that's, it's really paid off to be able to shoot that many threes, you know, every night and, um, you know, outscore Kansas last night from three big time. Fantastic win. And now you follow it up with TCU, who at eight and seven has the exact same conference record. And in 19 and nine is only one game worse overall and has a 68 67 win over Houston. So uh, just welcome to the Big 12. And, uh, and momentum doesn't last very long in this league, going back to three game winning streaks and all that. No, I, I really like the way that, uh, you know, it, it, it's a test every night. Um, you've got another great coach coming in, Jamie Dixon, who uh, has been doing this a long, long time, and he's got his team playing good. But the Marriott Center is a different place for all these teams, and they'll, they'll kind of see that when they, you know, when they they enter the confines. But I think um, I think that win really, you know, last night it takes a ton of pressure off. I think again, seeding was a big deal. I'm hoping last night kind of punched the ticket to be able to get 
because I think BYU's had them magically here. They should be able to play close to home. Um, so now it just comes down to winning a couple of these games, and I think they'll take care of TCU. Um, it's been a team. This team has not – they struggled on the road just to get their traction, but this team's been competitive most every night. So particularly at home, get this thing. And now I really do believe you're just playing for seeding. Um, you go into a tournament probably for the first time that, like, without any doubt, you don't have to win a game. Like, I don't think BYU, there's any pressure. Um, so finish these games off here, beat TCU, play for seeding. When you were coaching, as you said, you've had some big wins. Uh, Gonzaga comes to mind, obviously. Uh, what does the coach do, though, to put it behind you? Because it's all well and good. It's nice. Celebrate wildly. But it's just, you know, another win in that way because the season is not close to being done. So you got to get past it and you somehow got to move on uh, to be able to be prepared for the next one. So there's no, in terms of, uh, you know, talk about losing teams uh, getting beat twice because they have that hangover. But there's a possibility of a winning team, too not having that focus. So how do you do that to make sure great, but you still got other games to go? It really comes down to, you know, the pulse on your team, um, the culture, uh, and then just human nature. I mean, I think it's human nature to, um, you know, have a big win and, and, and enjoy it. Um, but I, I have not seen this team not prepared. I've, I've not seen this team come out and not be ready. So I think that speaks to the culture. Um, obviously, last night, I'm sure they just loved it. And, you know, by the sounds of it, you know, PK, you being down there, the, the airport must mm-hmm. have been just crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> I was passing outsider. To, I was just randomly <laughs> hugging. I was like the Jazz after their game last night uh, with the uh, Atlanta Hawks. I was just hugging everybody in sight. Yeah, no doubt. So... I would imagine uh, all that being said, that folks got these guys primed and ready. This is a very, very strong group of guys who you can tell um, they, they just want to win. You know, there's been a couple of years, you know, a group of these guys did not have great years. They finished, you know, as poorly in the WCC as any team ever had at BYU. So, to flip that around to the guys existing that were there and just go to work and grind it out, uh, really impressive. Go to work and grind it out. Not something we can say about the Utah Jazz. They have now been blown out by 20 points or more 10 times on the road this year. How many speeches are left when you're a coach? What do you say? What do you do? Who can you move in or out of a lineup or take playing time away from? How do you get the message through when it feels like the team's just looking at the finish line, just trying to get there? And there have been a bunch of these beatings over the course of the year on the road. There have. um, You know, I think that obviously since the deadline, there's going to be nights where the team just does not function well. There's a bunch of – I saw last night Keontae really struggled to shoot the ball um, in a lot of minutes. And so, again, I think it's been clear this is a developmental time for some of the young guys. Um, They are in a a period of time where, I mean, last night I was really shocked to see, because Atlanta has not been very good. Um, 
So, yeah, I think it's the NBA is a different beast. Um, you know, you talk about winning and losing and reacting. Uh, the games, they, they fly at you so quickly um, that, you know, I, I, akin to college, I just think you're talking about different things, wins and losses. Um, but right now, there's no doubt in my mind that this is a period of time where the Jazz are trying to accomplish a couple of different things, you know, winning games, um, important, but development, getting guys reps, getting guys evaluated, probably more important right now. And I agree with that, but I got to see a better competition. I mean, they were never in that game. They came out and sucked right from the start. And I, I just think that, that that that's just not good. And I can spin it. I can be positive all you want, but it's all fake. And listeners don't want to hear fake. They want to hear real. Uh, I mean, what can they do to make sure that they're at least competitive? We're not asking for a whole lot here. And right from the start, they were not competitive. You know, I, I don't know for sure. I, maybe you could release a bear in the locker room um, just to create a frenzy. Send me. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I wouldn't mind going um, to Orlando. Put me on a plane. Yeah, are you? Would you be the caged animal? Just release you. You can crawl around like Gollum and make a scene. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I was around Majerus for a decade. <laughs> you know how to. You know how to. You know how to create a little uh, excitement, don't you? Yeah. Yes, I learned the tricks. I heard them all. <laughs> I mean, and I'm being facetious, but I don't really. You know, I've never coached in that league. It's a different animal, and I'm with you. I did. Unfortunately, I was watching, or fortunately, I was watching. I was watching two really good high school games where both teams sold out, and both teams really wanted to play. Um, and I think sometimes you run into that a little bit in the NBA too. Um, you know, saw some of the veteran shooting numbers. I mean, Clarkson's on a really he's he's really struggling right now. He's two for ten. Um, you know, I saw that. Sexton had more shots than Markin. And, you know, I can only look at the box because I didn't get to see the game. But some of those things, you know, just gotta, they've got to figure out. And um, when this team's good, they play a certain way. Um, they play competitive, engaged, and locked in on the defensive side. And then when things slip, you know, they get a little ISO happy. Shots are not as uh, measured. And, you know, guys kind of get out on their own. And, again, not seeing the game yet, can't speak to it, but looking at the box would tell me some of those things probably happen. I want to go back to releasing a bear in the locker room. Where did that come from? Who told you that first? That's good. I like that. I like the visual. It'll get the adrenaline I don't know. I, I, adrenaline I, thought we were on, I thought we were on radio. I certainly paid homage to the, um, you know, the Jackie Moon because <laughs> they released the bear in the arena. You guys remember that, right? You saw that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I follow you. Okay. Does DJ, did you, DJ, I did did not, you see that movie? I did not, but I, I, fe- I feared that I did not see that, no. Okay, you have an assignment. <laughs> Watch Semi-Pro in some of your free time. Okay. I don't know when you're going to crack that with soccer and everything else, but find Semi-Pro. <laughs> they release a bear in the arena. It's hysterical. I had the opportunity the other night to speak with uh, Craig Smith, the University of Utah basketball coach, and he suggested yes. that we go out for lunch so I could tell him some of Jarrett's stories. What would you say would be the top two or three that I should tell him? Well, I think the AD one's always good. The what? Say that again? 
the athletic director one where, you know, it was early on in my tenure, but the AD at Utah would come in from time to time to watch practice. Uh-huh. Sit about 10, 12 rows up. Yeah. And Majerus would be known to stop practice and say, bring it in. And he'd have a little chat with everybody. You remember those, right? I do. All right, and we'll bring it in. So this particular time, just serendipity would say that we kind of convened very, very close to about 12 rows up, and the AD was with an earshot. And Majerus said, you know, you just got to really try hard in life, guys. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you, you try hard, you get what you want. You know, you don't try hard. You know, it's kind of like really good coaches coach. Really bad coaches become ADs. (laughs) (laughs) I had not heard that one. (laughs) Yeah, he runs the show. And he just likes likes to let people know he did this well. But that's a good one to probably tell Coach Smith. (laughs) Okay. Perhaps you could try it out. No, <laughs> after a few more wins, <laughs> you got to win more to yeah, say well, that. Yeah, you, you, you need you, to win you more to say stuff like that. And use it right. Yeah, timing is everything. Yeah, that was a good one. I don't know if I even told you that one, Deej. I had not heard that one. That's a new one. And we've talked a lot this I year, know. haven't we? I know. During jazz games, but, uh, a lot of chuckles. You got to be, you got to be relieved. You were doing a high school game last night. You had to look at that score and think, yeah. If I were going to be doing a high school game, this was the right one. Well, I look the first thing I do, and you know, you can relate to this. This is my first miss of the year, um, but this high school thing has become something I love to do. It's just fun every year to take a little pause and go watch these guys battle. But I looked at the score. First thing I did was look at the score, and like, and, and then I looked at the time, how long it took to play the game, and that wasn't so bad. So I figured, you know, Jake had the aesthetic issue but at the same time the brevity that always helps all right we'll leave it right there tim we appreciate it uh enjoy the rest of the high school tournament uh more semifinals tonight and finals on friday thanks for joining us we appreciate it yeah you guys are the best see you dj and pk it's 97.5 the zone greg rebel radio voice the cougs is coming up we got a win ticket wednesday tickets to santana at utah first credit union amphitheater august 21st we'll give those away right after the break stay with us this is dj and pk utah's highest rated sports radio morning show for over 20 years ridiculously good presented by murdoch hyundai utah's number one hyundai dealer for 16 years in a row on 97.5 the ksl sports zone PK, it is time to give away the tickets on a win ticket Wednesday. We've got Santana tickets, caller 12 right now. 801-575-ZONE. Remember that number, PK. Not that, whatever you threw out earlier. What was that you made up? I don't know. 575-ZONE? 801-575-ZONE. Mine is hard on Mona Lisa. 801-575-ZONE. Call right now. Caller 12 is going to see Santana at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater, August 21st. I've seen Santana. And? How was the show? 
It's a different show. I saw him at the House of Blues in Vegas, which is a beautiful location. How is it a different uh, deal? What do you mean? Well, you said it was Oh, a- he's very, uh, like, spiritual. Not necessarily in a God sense, but, like, in a mystic sense. Mm-hmm. And he exudes love to the audience. His band does. He's a backup singer. He's not this the lead singer. And there's a lot of stuff going on. So, like, the first song goes on for, like, 20 minutes. Oh, really? Because he's a master guitar player. Right. And so that highlights it. But I would see him again. Yeah. It was it was probably five, six years ago. Uh, and because he has a residency at the House of Blues there. I still I think he still does. Uh, he's getting up there. He's pushing 80 by now, I bet. DJ PK, the John Watson Chevrolet Northern Utah High School Player of the Week Award, honors the best boys and girls prep basketball players each week during the season. Our winners this week, Falatau Satuala and Adelaide Stevenson from Bountiful High. Satuala helped the Red Hawks reach the 5A quarterfinals with 15 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, and a block in the 76-63 win over Cedar Valley. Then he had 16 points, 12 boards, Four assists, three steals, and two blocks in a 65-59 loss to Highland. Stevenson led the Red Hawks as they cruised to the 5A semifinals. She played the role of facilitator in the second round 67-54 win over Viewmont. Six points, six assists, four steals. And then went off for 24 points, nine rebounds in a 62-30 quarterfinal route of Brighton. See why new and used car buyers give John Watson Chevrolet more five-star reviews than any other Chevy dealer in Utah. John Watson Chevrolet, your five-star Chevy dealer. That Satuala is the football star, isn't he? Yes. And, a and he's going to Cougarville. Big-time athlete, and I've watched him play a lot of football. I have not watched him play basketball. But just reading that, that was uh, what we used to talk about with Kirilenko, the stat stuffing, the 16 points, 12 boards, four assists, three steals, two blocks. He's a better athlete than everybody else, PK. <laughs> That's pretty clear. And he's a defensive back. He could be anything, but yeah, I think defensive back is uh, where he's going and how he's going to make his mark and get to the. Uh, well, he played uh, offense; he would be a receiver also. I think in high school they just try to, you know, get to the ball. Oh, I, might, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if I saw him as a return guy. I mean, it's been a while now, so I'm fuzzy on this. But he's basically man among boys at the high school level. I mean, he's the kind of guy like if you had ne- if you'd never heard of him. And if you've never seen him and you just went to the game because the neighbor kid's in the game, right, and they're the visiting team, I guarantee you, PK, in the middle of the first quarter, you'd yeah, be going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that kid is wildly talented. Right. That kid's way better you, you, than everybody else. I've been, I've been covering – well, I don't do it anymore, but right. uh, covered high schools for many years. Yeah. And it, it took you – it would take you about less than a quarter. Yeah. And then in basketball, it would take you about two trips up and down the floor. <laughs> right. No joke. He's just a better athlete. He I can... saw – it's funny you said about uh, a athlete. There's a kid out of Albuquerque that's starting to get some run, mm-hmm. and he's a quarterback, and he was the Gatorade Player of the Year, blah, blah, blah. And so I looked him up, and he's listing because the devil's offered him – Blah, blah, blah. And I saw a bunch of schools offering him. And then he put out on Twitter, uh, he's blessed to receive an offer from the University of Utah as a safety. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, with Satuala, I think safety is the – I think that's where he ends up. But honestly, if you look at him, you're like, okay, he could be a corner, but maybe he's a little too big. He could be a linebacker if he puts on weight. You know, I don't don't know his – 
you know, maybe if you knew all his extended family, you'd have a better guess on, you know, what he's going to look like when he's 22, oh, 25. in that family. Junior? 20, Junior Satawala? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but, you know, he has a skill set. If he was a receiver or a tight end or a linebacker or a safety, a corner, none of that would surprise me. Now, ultimately, what is his body type and where does he go? You know, that'll be sorted out. But he's that kind of athlete. He could, he can do it. He can do it all. All right, DJ and PK, Greg Rebell, radio voice of the Kooks, coming up 9 o'clock. He's next, right here on The Zone. Join JJ and Alex Friday from 3 to 6 for the 9th Annual Salt Lake Off-Road and Outdoor Expo at the Mountain America Expo Center. Check out cool stuff and get great deals while getting in some off-road land use. Get your tickets at slowrex.com, S-L-O-R-E-X.com. Kids 12 and under are free. DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Greg Rubel, radio voice of BYU. Greg, good morning. DJ, PK, good day. (laughs) It is a good day. So I was leaving uh, St. George. I had to be an event down there uh, for work. Like uh, I got out of there at like 7. Well, I left. The event was still going, but I got to leave at like 7.30, 7.45. I'm driving back, and I'm flipping around on the radio, and sure enough, I find Rebel and Durant in the post-game show for a solid hour. That was awesome. You got me halfway across the state pretty much. <laughs> and uh, and you were talking about the greatest wins, and I'm thinking, well, I shouldn't argue with Greg Rebellico about the greatest Cougar wins, but I think a lot of us went straight to Kansas and beating undefeated Gonzaga when they were number one right at the end of the regular season. I didn't think there was anything compared to those two. Now that you've had a little time to you know calm down, think about it, are those the top two, and what is the order? You know, they're, they're regular season games, and, and the biggest games generally, you know, happen in the postseason when you're either winning a tournament or advancing mm-hmm. in a tournament. Uh, but, you know, it, it, BYU doesn't have a lot of those, you know, deep advancement type situations. And so, you know, wins in the round of 32 against Gonzaga to get to the Sweet 16, those kinds of games you know, come to mind or, or, you know, or, or record setting games like, you know, Jim are going for 52, but in terms of just monumental in the moment, even though they were regular season games and didn't win BYU a title or anything, I, I think those two, 
I, I kind of rise to the top. And and although that that Marriott Center experience was unforgettable with uh, with the fans on the floor and and it you know it was like the last big moment before COVID, right? So it had a, an additional kind of poignancy to it. Um, and kind of a bittersweetness, though, too, right? Because that, that team didn't get to go anywhere. And, and this team has still has so much in front of it. And you did it in basically, you know, the home of college basketball, let's say. I mean, the first coach of Kansas basketball was Dr. James Naismith. Right. So, you know, when, when you go into a place, you know, that, that, that has basically the sport, you know, uh, you know, wafting through its rafters, um, it, it's tough to think of anything kind of bigger in the moment than what occurred last night. I mean, Bill Self averages less than one home loss per year. Right? That was his 18th home loss in his 21st season. He has more conference championships, regular season championships as a head coach than he has home losses at, at Allen Fieldhouse for his career. So, so doing what BYU did was, uh, you know, it's not incomparable, very rare, and, and for BYU to do it in its first season in the Big 12, you know, coming off a rough day on the weekend, um, doing it in as energized an environment as I've ever experienced. Mark and I were in the belly of the beast last night, and, and our crowd mic was, was useless. You didn't need the crowd mic because our headset mics picked up more noise than we could handle. Mark, after the game, said, you got any ibuprofen? Because his head was ringing. Uh, after last night, and and it, it, and he he described it, and we talked about it a bit on post game too, DJ. That he felt like he was in a movie at one point. Yeah, I heard know? him say that. He, lo- he, lo- he looked around, and the throng like it's it's sixteen thousand three hundred, but it's packed into a building that might typically seat ten or eleven thousand people if you've got actual seats. But the building is almost all bleachers, so it is such a throng packed into a really confined space. And it was pulsating. People were jumping, and the screaming is nonstop. And it's just, he, he used the word that was a movie. And it felt like you were in it, like you were in the final scene of Hoosiers almost. And, and you look up into the building, and it's, and it's that old-style bricks and steel, and, and, and the banners are all almost like, like hand-painted. And it's, it's just, yeah, I'll never forget last night, guys. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, for today, you know, it's right up there. I don't know the order, DJ, you wanted the order. But because of where it came and, and how it came and, and just a legendary name and building and origin of the sport, it's tough to top. I thought you guys did a good time, a good job filling time until Coach Pope got out there. It took a while. Uh, because... Well, he had, he had about you know three or four national interviews. Yeah. To try oh, and I saw. Into, so I, and then I turned on. Guy. I turned on the television and it was. Uh, I saw him doing uh, uh, basketball, whatever it's called, <laughs> on uh, ESPN two. I think it was. Uh, I was real interested in what he had to say with his emphasis on the faith. And he yeah. even went into, you know, a little, got a little Bronco-ish there with the, with the religion, uh, which, you know, is fine. And, I mean, that's who he's working for, no problem there. Uh, but I, I was fascinated with his idea of talking about the faith. And, and you talk to him uh, virtually after every game, and you do a, a coach's thing with him in the week. I'm, I don't uh, – profess to to listen to all of them uh but what did you make of his uh his emphasis on the faith and, and all that stuff that he was getting at because i thought it was interesting well the, there's a broader emphasis on on the faith that comes via the faith-based institution part of what he's talking about and and it's great to embrace and lean into that and describe what makes byu special and unique for a lot of his players but there's also you know, taking off of that, the faith that the players have in each other 
now and, and the faith they have in their potential or abilities. And, and so it, it's two kinds of faith working with right. this program right now. And, and so I, I, th- I think they, they both mold pretty well together. Uh, how this is a team now built on belief. It's a team built on beliefs, plural, and a team now built on belief. And, and that's what I think has emerged from this season uh, to this point. And, and, and Mark is happy to spread that message, too. I mean, BYU is a very unique school, and, and he is more than happy to, you know, spread the message of, of why it is a little different in, in the world of college athletics. And, and I think he's doing a great job of, of balancing every part of his, of his role that way. Um, and he spoke about it too. I, he caught this maybe a little bit PK, and he didn't want to get into details about it. But he said there were some things that happened tonight in the room. Um, it, at least my 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 perception of it was it, uh, of a spiritual nature yeah, that, yeah. that resonated in, in a way that he didn't really necessarily want to come out publicly with, but something that might have galvanized his group and maybe they can lean on moving forward. So that was kind of cool to hear about too. I was wondering if Jimmer appeared or something. Hmm. Rock solid toughness by you, Greg. I was waiting for some kind of reaction. You gave it a hmm, and then you just drew the line. That was rock solid mental toughness from you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've, I've had to do that, and it's not as easy as some people might think. So, bravo to you. Thank you very much. You know, I, 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 that I, was I, excellent. I've come to, I've, I've come to embrace a, 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 a mantra over time. Uh, when in doubt, Leave it out. So <laughs> there it is. I just kind of sat there. Yeah. yeah. Good, good job by you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. I want to go back to what you said about the faith in each other because college basketball has always been a little transitory, right? JC kids were only there two years. BYU dealt with transfers. Kids might play for a year and then they're gone for two on a mission. And by the time they come back, you know, two thirds of the team is different. And now at the transfer portal, that's just heat up. So how do you get that connection, especially when guys are getting hurt and they're in and out of the lineup, key players, you know, when Foose is out, that that's a big loss. He provides something that's hard to replicate on this roster. So how do you build those connections so you can get big wins in tough times on the road? Well, I, I think your question uh, begets another question, which is, how does a middle-of-the-pack WCC team one year become a top-tier team in the toughest basketball conference in the country the next year? And, and the key is almost everybody came back intact, and there wasn't the transitory phase BYU had to go through. They added a very key piece in Ali Khalifa, and I think, and Coach Pope, I heard him on a different interview last night talking about he's unlocked an additional 30% to BYU's offense that wasn't there before. I mean, how, how big is that, right? To have one guy come in and give you a whole new way to play, right? And, and so they add Ali Khalifa, but that's the only new piece to the puzzle. Now, we have to note that they, they re-included uh, uh, Trevin Nell, who was part of the program for years but didn't play last year due to injury. So Trevin becomes active, but Ali's the only new piece and BYU did what few teams do, which gets to your original question, DJ, is they got old. Now, you could make the joke about BYU and old, but the teams and coaches say that's what you want to do. You want to be able to get old, and it's so hard to do now, right? It's also possible to retain groups that stay together for two and three and, well, heaven forbid, four years. But a lot of these guys are those guys on this BYU team. And so BYU did what so few teams can do, which is get old. And that lone factor you know, is as responsible for going middle of the pack WCC to top tier Big 12 one year later. A lot of the same guys, but they now know so much more. 
uh, about each other, are able to play better with each other. Um, Coach Pope talks about the addition of a new uh, offensive element in Ali Khalifa, uh, adding to the package. That's a huge part of it, too. And, yes, they adopted what Coach Pope calls a, a hyperbolic approach to the three-point shot. You know, they were going to be an outlier. And, and, and that was the other thing, too, guys. And maybe this also helps answer your question, uh, DJ. You can't just out Big 12 the Big 12. The, 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 the teams do things that BYU can't necessarily go out and replicate top to bottom. But they can be very different and extremely different in this one way be more reliant on the three than any other team. And the storyline going into last night, and the reason I thought BYU had a really legitimate shot was, if BYU does what it does well, and Kansas does what it does well, BYU's well can outdistance KU's well because you're exchanging threes for twos. It's not a part of KU's game. They made three threes last night. Well, that's kind of like that's who they are. And BYU made 13 threes, and that's kind of who they are. But who BYU is on that kind of night can win a game. And that's what happened last night. That faith aspect that Coach Pope was bringing up, and he knows what he was getting at probably better than us, but faith in yourself, faith in belief. Dallin Hall, 1 for 10, 0 for 5 from 3 the game before. To have the wherewithal to take that step back 3, wow. And to make, just just to even launch it, I thought took some faith, but to make it in that situation, and there was a lot of big shots, Jackson, Robinson, Waterman hit a big three, but I thought Hall, given the fact that he was one for 10, 0 for 5 from three, just a prior game, to still have the confidence to take that, I just thought that was incredible. Yeah, over Hunter Dickinson and, and BYU was getting those switches a lot last night and, and, and actually doing a really nice job with them. And that last one, the most notable, um, I, I tweeted out a, a short time ago, um, Dallin's numbers, assist to turnover numbers beyond his scoring, his assist to turnover numbers in BYU's wins in the Big 12. And, and they're remarkable. I mean, he, he is so good. If he's that good, BYU's likely winning the game. And that's kind of how it's been. You bring up the, the K-State loss. And, and it's also notable, PK, that, that after each of BYU's last four Big 12 losses, they've won the very next game. And the Big 12 is not a really easy bounce-back league. Uh, in BYU's previous league, if you have a tough loss, there's probably a, 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 an easier W coming around the corner. Well, you don't necessarily look at your BYU, your, your Big 12 schedule that way. And so, you know, to bounce back time and again, uh, and this time to do it on the road. The previous bounce-backs had happened at home, but to go from K-State to Kansas and, and still get that bounce-back win is also uh, pretty remarkable. And, and that's what this team is kind of, you know, showing us to be kind of a hallmark is – is resiliency. Um, you know, they, they don't go on losing streaks. You know, they haven't lost more than two games in a row in Big 12 play. And they're, they're 15 games into this league right now. And, and so you can't keep them down for very long. And uh, that, that's a nice thing to be able to lean on uh, if you're a coach of this team. Eddie Money, you can't keep a good man down? Is that where you're going? We'll go there. Sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, you know I, I embrace the classic rock. <laughs> You mentioned uh, three-game losing streaks. There haven't been very many three-game winning streaks in this league. The top teams, Houston and Iowa State, have done it. I actually think Baylor has. Kansas hasn't. They're really hard to come by. And I'm wondering now if you go into the whole thing about you know the faith in themselves, the faith in each other, and they're building on it and they figure something out at Kansas, can they put one together now? Can they eliminate the Oklahoma State where – it seemed like they just had nothing going, and it didn't make any sense. 
and they got beat pretty soundly by the team that's uh, you know battling to stay out of last place. So they eliminated those. Can we see a win streak going forward? Acknowledging those yeah. are hard in the Big 12. Very hard to do. Yeah, B- BYU was one of, I think, I, four or five teams that had neither won nor lost more than two games in a row um, going into this week. And, and yeah, it'd be nice to go on a little bit of a mini run uh, at the end. But uh, you've got TCU at home, and then you go right to Ames. And, and Iowa State's, you know, one of the last two teams now in this conference that hasn't lost a home game. Uh, you get in league with, with Houston and Iowa State. In fact, they're, they're two of the top winning streak teams in the country right now at home. So, you know, whether or not a run emerges or not, if BYU were to finish, you know, at 500 in their first year in in the Big 12 uh, or a game above 500, you know, that that's certainly good enough uh, to give yourself a favored seat in the NCAA tournament. I think BYU's almost, it's not mathematical yet, but but they're pretty much – set at, at avoiding that, that first round game in Kansas city on that Tuesday. And I'm sure that everyone thought first year in the big 12, you're going to be you know, probably, you know, in, in that opening day game. And that's not going to be the case. BYU is going to avoid that opening day and get themselves at least a single buy. And they're actually in the running for the double buy. I mean, they're, they're tied for fifth and, and the top four teams get the double buy. That's a pretty big ask because, you know, you, you, you've got Iowa state in Ames next week, uh, but man, if you just want it at, at Allen Fieldhouse, you know what, what's not reasonable at this point, or, or hopeful at this point. So, I'm just excited for the last week and a half of league to see how this thing shakes out. And if BYU can get itself a single buy, they'll have done a heck of a lot uh, more than people thought they would do uh, in their first year in the Big 12. Going big picture, I contend, and BYU's had a lot of good things happen to it over the years in basketball. That the Presence and membership in the Big 12 is literally the best thing that has happened to BYU basketball. What's your response? Yes. Uh, rising tide lifts all boats. Iron sharpening iron. Uh, choose your cliche uh, or adage. They all seem to apply. Uh, BYU got tougher by playing in a tougher league, just simply put. And, and there's a different kind of pressure in the Big 12 than there was in the WCC. In, in the WCC, the pressure was to avoid the season crippling loss. And you went into most of your games knowing that that loss would be a bad loss. And that's not the way it is in the Big 12. And that changes a team's perspective and outlook and the way they play. You, you, you don't want to play with, with the fear, right? You want to play with the hope. And, and, and the WCC was primarily a fear-based league. It just was. You had a couple games a couple teams that you'd get a reward from and the rest were all risk. You risk losing and hurting your resume and tumbling out of the postseason. That was the reality in the big 12. You don't play with that fear. You play with the hope and you play with the reward. WCC was mostly risk, little reward and big 12 is mostly reward and little risk is the best way to put it. Um, And and so it, you know, a a bad day is never really that bad a day in the big 12 because the team you lost to, um, you know, let's say it's K-State, well, that's a top 75 net or Ken Palm team anyway. That's still a good basketball team that, that opened the year 4-1 and one on the Big 12. So e- even the losses that hurt never hurt you too much. But if you wander into you know, Firestone Fieldhouse and have a bad night, that can really hurt you. Yeah, but you had a good view, though. Yeah, that was always the saving grace. <laughs> I had, but I had more, more, more bad nights than I care to remember in that place. It was a weird deal. 
Well, six road games in California in the middle of a winter was always a good deal, but the quality competition now is off the charts, and that's fun. Yeah, and what the, the I, travel, the travel's tough. And by the way, we get out of the gym last night, and it's like a mini blizzard here. Was it? We, it, it was Mark. Mark Durant was strolling around in shorts yesterday. It was seventy-five degrees, and we get out of the building, and it's swirling snow. And it was bitter cold. It was the most dramatic cold front I've seen sweep in. And so that and that and that's Big Twelve life for you right there. It, it, it's a whole different deal with the weather. And most of your your destinations, you're flying and then driving somewhere. Yeah. And it's already been a bit of an adventure. And I'm sure there are more to come over, over the years ahead. Well, we appreciate your time. Hey, last thing before we let you go, you did throw this out that you got a tour from the guy who is the radio voice of Kansas basketball, and he showed you stuff most people don't get to see. Now, given the fact that the guy who invented the sport was the first coach at Kansas, when I heard that, I was super intrigued. What what did you get to see? What kind of basketball yeah, history so, stuffed away there? Yeah, shout out to Brian Haney. Brian Haney is the voice to Jayhawks, and he's already become a good friend. And one of the cool things about the Big 12, too, a uh, little inside baseball here, is just how collegial the broadcasters are. Um, you know, there was a big group dinner at the Big 12 Media Days. We're having a dinner, all, all, all the play-by-play guys and, and the color guys at the conference tournament coming up here. It's a really tight group, and they bring you into the club and make you feel at home. That's been a really rewarding thing, too, about the Big 12 as a side note. But Brian uh, took me up into the Kansas basketball offices, and um, as part of our tour, if you will, he did take us to an area that's publicly accessible, which is the original document that Dr. James, James Naismith wrote it's behind glass. Apparently, it cost $4 million to acquire this document, and it's on display, and it lights up, and you actually hear the voice of Dr. James Naismith, the last recorded, uh, the last recording of his voice, um, talking about the game. You see that history. Then he took me into the offices, and he said, Greg, if, if Allen Fieldhouse is a cathedral, this is our, uh, this is our Sistine Chapel. And he, and he shows me this mural. It's a canvas mural on the wall, and this is back in the basketball offices area, not publicly accessible. There's a, there's a mural. It's on canvas, and it, it, it portrays each of the final four programs in Kansas basketball history, hand-painted, and it gets added on to every time they add a new final four group. And it's this massive mural, all expertly painted, and, and, and it's, it's like a piece of art. It is a beautiful work of art that basically shows you all of Kansas basketball history over a century. Then you go into the actual offices where coach Bill self has this area and you've got the trophy case. I call it the trophy case. It's a trophy room and you can only imagine how big this room was and how much hardware there was on display for as many things as Kansas has to show. And so this was all part of the day. And, and then you end it with the game, right? And, and you just, you're just overwhelmed by everything you've seen, heard, experienced. And then to get the result at the end of that, pretty incomparable. We appreciate your time. I learned that, and I learned when in doubt, leave it out. So, you know, this has been a really good segment. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have been with you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I know Mark Durant looks forward to the next time he can visit with you. He had some travel plans this morning that uh, made him unavailable. But, uh, you know, I'll be here for you whenever you need me, and uh, always a pleasure, guys. Thanks, Thank Greg. You. Greg Rebell, radio voice of the BYU Cougars. We're going to take a break. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, next. For all of you uh, less motivated listeners, it's time for your 9 o'clock. Where the heck have you been headlines? Where you at? With DJ and PK. 
97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Catch Jeff Leverett on their Summer Stadium Tour 2024 as they make a stop at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on September 10th. Get your tickets now at LiveNation.com or listen to The Zone all day on Thursday, February 29th for your chance to win. You got to change, DJ. You got to change your evil ways. Fact. You too. Sarah. Sarah. Sarah's like, oh, I like where this is going. Let's pump up the music. Let's Let's see if we can get PK to keep going. I like this. I don't want them to recap the show. I'd rather hear this. She's got some evil ways, too. Is he going to sing? You really have some evil ways, Lord knows you got to change, baby. When I come home, baby, my house is cold, dark, my thoughts are cold. When I come in the studio, it's dark, and my thoughts are cold. You need to change. Time to get you up to speed on everything you missed in this show. The Utah Jazz got drilled. Hawks jump out to a 12-0 lead. Jazz open the game with 12 empty possessions, 0 for 6 shooting, 6 turnovers. It was a sign of things to come. Nothing good. Another night, another road beating. That is 10 losses of 20 points or more on the road this season. Attitude, PK, was certainly lacking, but is the bigger problem attitude or lack of talent? Oh, you're talking about winning games. I'm not talking about winning games. Well, I'm, I'm talking, talking about, about how they lose. competing in games. Well, I am too. When they I don't say have talent to compete against 10, the Hawks minus Trey Young. I refuse to believe that. Ten losses of 20 points you, you or more. You just want my blood pressure to explode this morning because you keep, you keep setting me up to get irritated. That's okay. Anything I say about the Jazz is going to irritate you, because you keep talking about winning. Yes. I'm not talk- they're not going to win. I got it. I've and been a, a loser times, my whole life. I can I, accept losing. And a lot of times they're not going to compete. I mean, some of these losses That's are blah losses. I agree, but some of these losses, these blah losses, that the final margin is 15 or 16, they were still blown out. And I'm not counting that when they say 10, 20 point road losses. Hopefully, whatever they happened the talent six level weeks ago, in the I don't give a crap. I'm talking about what happened 12 hours ago. They weren't ready to play. They weren't prepared to play. They got embarrassed and humiliated. And they should if, be furious. And if, management should be furious. If they are capable of embarrassment and humiliation. I would think the 27-point road loss is, but high fives and handshakes and hugging and dancing after the game it's uh, that used to be saved for playoffs at the series at the end of the season, and now it routinely happens after games. Well, I want 90, 1995 back. Yeah, we're not getting that. Where's my statues? We'll see if the Jazz. Where's played. Shannon Anderson? We'll I want see. him walking through that door. <laughs> we'll see. I'm surprised you didn't go Ben Hanlockton. That's your go-to, but that's 2000s, not 90s. Right. So. We'll see if the Jazz have a better effort, better preparation, and play better against the Orlando Magic tomorrow night in Orlando. Enough of the negativity. The happy news. Sarah, do you have the uh, the Aggies, Darius Brown, two seconds left? The Aggies and the Cougars with, uh, with big road wins, a different. No, they're... Yeah, the one that yes, where oh, they yeah, tie yeah. they tie the game two with seconds two ago. seconds left. Darius Brown should have been fouled, but Fresno State is four and eleven for a reason, as you said, PK. 
Here comes Darius Brown. Pump fakes the three. The shot is up. Good. He banked it in with 1.3 left. And Utah State just sent this to overtime. What a three by Darius Brown to send this to overtime. Oh, he banked it in. Oh, my goodness. The miracle season for Utah State remains alive, if not just for one more moment. Five more minutes of basketball, and they went the Aggies' way, and the they get the win. The crowd noise went nuts. <laughs> they crowd all 17 people. <laughs> <laughs> that used to be a great program, but. I think they listed 3,000. The 90s ain't walking through that door. <laughs> it's been down for a while now. The struggle at Fresno. It's real. It is real. And for the Aggies. That's spectacular. Uh, Scotty. <laughs> That's the Seinfeld moment. Thank you. I, got I know. That. I said that once with uh, another couple, with my wife, and she looked at me. Huh? I said, it's a Seinfeld. I it's didn't a, make it up. That's a famous Seinfeld I'm, episode. And that's... she knows every single one, but hadn't heard that. Really? Yeah. Well, you tell her to text me, and I will confirm that that's a... Well, the people that we were with did. Oh, they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's like a top 10 Seinfeld right, episode. Yeah, right, Yeah, that's a legendary. I know. Jerry's a total that's fool said, in that one. I didn't make that up. Yeah. Nope, that's pop culture for uh, 500 right there, Alex. So the Aggies get the win. I think and, it's now Ken. And, uh, yeah, it is. Or it's, um, they still they split. Who else yeah. is doing that? I forget. There's somebody else. Uh, Chelsea Handler? No, it's not Chelsea Handler. <laughs> <laughs> it was Aaron Rodgers for a while, but they're, they're down to two now. <laughs> He'll have to do it for a few decades to replace Alex. Scott has referred that they are doing this with smoke and mirrors. It's unbelievable that the Aggies are this good with the roster they have, and yet they keep doing it. Eleven and four now in conference, and they don't have, they don't have a bad, they don't have a bad loss, do they? I don't think they do. Uh, well, no, not really. No. Uh, go back to Bradley at Bradley in the second game of the year. Second game of the year. Yeah, I know exactly. Nevada at home, they lost by 14. Nevada's, Nevada's good. Come on. And Nevada soon. beats CSU, half-court shot, tie game. And then the celebration, you see the kid just running around the floor, waving at all the fans. Yeah, I think you got to knock off the fan stuff. Probably. Just turn inward. Yes, celebrate with your teammates. Yeah. Uh, no reason to provoke fans. You don't want them storming the court. You can't go provoke them. When does the court storming thing officially stop? At what point is that going to? Why does it need to stop? That, that is so ridiculous. Kids get hurt. Nobody got hurt. Oh, yeah. Nobody, the, no. the Duke kid got run over. Yeah, Caitlin got run over. And they, it's so overblown. These ESPN, they have a certain persuasion, and they think they know better than everybody. Coaches are complaining, too. Although coaches are born to complain. Yeah, well, and they do it at your place. When you beat Carolina, you're not going to complain. <laughs> and BYU wins at... Kansas, they dominated the final five minutes. That was a one-point game with five minutes to go. Anything could have happened, and it was best-case scenario for BYU. They outscored them 19-10 to 10 down the stretch to win by eight. This is going to be something here. You know, Utah State's had some, some really big-time wins and exciting wins, crazy wins, and then next month it's all going to be a thud. <laughs> if they crash out in the first round? Point. Second round? Yeah. I mean – Whatever. Well, they're. I mean, they're going to be seeded to lose in the second round. But still. But there you've are had this phenomenal happen. season, yeah. and everybody's on a high. Yep. And then when it's over, it's, everybody feels oh, so empty. Yeah. 
That's the nature. And that's the way it's going it's to the happen. nature of college basketball. Yeah. Right. Unless you unless you win six and win it all. No, I don't think so. Really? I, no, because I, no, I, I think if you get to the Final Four, you'll take that. Every team, you'll take getting to the Final Four, even if it means losing. But it's still a thud when it ends. Not, I just, I don't see that. I don't. When Florida Atlantic goes to the Final Four, I don't see a thud. How was it when you were at the Final Four with the Utes? They, how they, how they, were they after but, the game? And they had multiple pros. Yeah. So that's, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the Utah States of the world. I'm not talking about a team that had been there and had multiple pros. And when Carolina loses, yeah, it, it's a different story because they're expecting to win when Duke loses. But for the rest of them, have had these magical seasons that they don't normally have. When it ends, it is such an empty feeling because it ends immediately. And it's not an anticipation of, oh, well, we got a two-week series here. Right. And that, no. The, it's March the, Madness. The Blue Bloods in Utah at that time, they're not a Blue Blood historically, but at that time they were. And so, sure, it was a big-time disappointment, uh, but also all sorts of celebration uh, when they, well, gosh, the, the one year Majerus when Dallas, when they went to the Sweet 16, he went out that night and was dancing. <laughs> I mean, a few years later, I don't remember who they beat to go to the Sweet 16. But he, he just walked da- off the floor. He, he yeah, he just walked off the floor. I mean, he literally was dancing at a place in Dallas because it was so cool. If you missed it earlier in the show, go listen to Tim Lacombe. He told a great Majerus story. Uh, had you heard that one before? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one either. There's a million of them. Go listen to uh, Tim Lacombe wherever you get your uh, podcasts. He talked about BYU's big win, the Jazz getting blown out, and he had a, a good Majerus story at the end. I think to your point about the NCAA tournament, don't you think it's going to be a boatload of toss-up games here? When you look at the Mountain West, and yes, the Aggies are in first place, but it's one game from first to fifth. And you look at BYU, and that was a huge win, but they're one game out of third, and they're one game out of tenth. So if you avoid one of the— Are you talking conference or NCAs? I'm talking NCAs here. If you avoid one of the elite teams right right out of the gate— I think both BYU and Utah State have a chance to go to the Sweet 16. Right. If they're shooting and playing well and doing what they do, they can. Then at that point, i got to see matchups. Right. But to your point about with a thud, either team could lose in the first round also. That's if part they of having shoot real poorly, yes. That's part of having this many teams so close together, which you can just see looking at the Mountain West standings and the Big Twelve standings. Yeah, the way I look at it, that great BYU team that Coach Pope had his first year, they go into Vegas and at that point you were seated, they they had rearranged it, and then they lose to St. Mary's. And it was like 51-50, something like that. And they just played real bad. And it was ended up being their last game because of what happened. But you thought, okay, it was just a bad game. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, uh, unfortunately, because of the COVID thing, but fortunately at the time, we're thinking, all right, well, they had a bad game. Whoop-de-doo. We'll see you next week. But they never got next week. So the point being, if you play poorly in a given game, you can be out. And that's where the thud comes in where I don't think it comes in, the celebration, it's like having a dog. When you get to the Final Four as a team that's never been to the Final Four, you're probably going to lose. 
but that good time was worth it. Dr. Laura told me this. <laughs> Dr. The Laura. death of a dog is brutal, but it's the price you pay for having the good time all those years with the dog. You see that point? It's a salient point. And I know you people like to be taught in parables, so that's what I'm doing here. Dr. Laura parables, count on them. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us. Enough of us. It's time to hear from you. From all your texts, tweets, and posts. This is the best feedback of the day. Oh, I was there. That's the best game of my life. With DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. I can't believe today was a good day. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. Everything you want to say about today's show. Without Trey Young, Hawks hammered the Jazz. How embarrassing is that? Mr. Garlic says it's going to be less embarrassing when the Jazz draft a star in this draft. Hope so. That'd be great. Drafting yeah. ninth or 10th. Can they get a star? Can they yeah, trade yeah, up? Yeah, I was going to say, that's what I was going to add. I mean, they'll have... Assuming they lose and end up with a top 10 pick that is protected and they get to keep it, they got the two later picks. They've Which got I don't know veteran, I'm going to assume that. They got veteran they players. For the sake of argument. For the sake of argument. It's yeah. certainly not a done deal right not now. Not at all. Right now, 9, 10, 11, 12, we're all pretty yeah. close together. Well, I think that the great thing about with uh, Daniel R. Ainge in charge is that he's willing to be bold. And it's going to take bold. Or settle in for a five-year rebuild. Yeah. Right. Nobody wants to do that. No. Let's hear it for some bold. Right. Exactly. And I think that that's what's going to require, and I believe he's willing to do it, and they, I believe they will do it. Rhino. DJ, they have all these pieces and resources, and it's going to get put together in the future. We just need to be patient. Blah, blah, blah. Win now. Where's the Al Davis mentality? It's not about win now it's about compete now and every time if they have another 30 point blowout i'm going to come in the next day and i'm going to be furious and i make no apologies for it well we'll see who they get blown out by i get your point about competing because until you compete how are you going to win competing is the first step on the way to winning but it was the hawks who are bad without trey young with no environment or crowd because atlanta's not the most important team or the second most important team in Atlanta. Yeah, I think the Georgia Bulldog football team is. Absolutely. And probably the Braves. Falcons, Braves. The Falcons are a bigger deal than the uh, yeah. than the Hawks. Braves, so, have been, Braves have been good for a long time. So they're fourth. I mean, hockey comes and goes, and Georgia Tech is there, but the NBA is fourth. People don't flock to it, it. I think it's six beyond family and faith. Okay. Or faith and family. I'm not sure the order of that. I'm going to call them out when they don't compete because I expect them to compete. It's not too much to ask. And yet, very often on the road, they do not. 
BYU goes into fog and beats number seven, Kansas. How the freak about that? A lot of PH jokes. People really enjoyed that. <laughs> they really got into it. You really hit a nerve with that. They applaud you. Yeah, that's fun. Except for Nate. It's freak. F-R-E-A-K. Boomer. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, lighten <laughs> up, Lucy. Age discrimination, Nate. Sheesh. My goodness. Reed, the Big 12's been an awesome transition from the WCC. Every game is exciting and frustrating at the same time. The intensity's been off the charts. I'm happy BYU has represented well. I don't think there's a team in the history of the NCAA, and obviously I can't go back and document it, who's made a bigger leap. From the WCC right. to the Big 12. Right. Nobody comes to mind. I guess I'd have to for, uh, UCF. Where'd they go? They came from the Americans, so that'd be probably a better league than the WCC. It is, yeah. Uh, I mean, else? TCU came from the Mountain West. Yeah. And the Mountain West has long good. been a halfway good. decent basketball yeah, league, league, if not very good. And this year they're very good. Houston came from the Americans. Cincinnati, yeah. I have to think if somebody came into the ACC at some point, but they mostly came from the Big East. So. Right, which when we right. were kids, the Big East was where it was at. Big East was a power league. They just went from one power league and to another. And the ACC. So, yeah, to, to be where they were and to be where they are, it's night and day. It's night and day. <laughs> and to have this level of success, it's amazing. Bask in it, bathe in it. When I texted Rubel, I said, you available to come in and bathe in the uh, glory? <laughs> he was. Yes. And then... Duran, I'd asked him, but he had to get on a flight. He said, but he's one. Greg's got a later flight. Hit him up. I said, okay. If he says no, tell him I'm going to kick him in the nets. Hey-o. <laughs> and then Durant, in his uh, offbeat sense of humor, he says, do it either way. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something Mark would say. All right, DJ and PK, we're all out of time. Jake and Ben are coming up next right here on The Zone.